Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Oh my G-O-S-H. I love this song. Everything is awesome. On February 7th, only one word describes the 3D event of the year. Awesome! Yeah! This is my jam. The Lego Movie. Rated PG. Everything is awesome. Welcome to the 100th Failed Critics Podcast. Episode 100, or at least episode 100 that you will actually hear. Yes. As <laughs> as we recorded last week, and James cocked it all up. So this is... I'm going to blame Skype. I'm going to blame Skype. Mm. So <laughs> this, is, this, is, this is podcast 101 for us. But 100 for you, and that's a fantastic milestone. And really, thanks to everyone who, who bothers to listen, so that we keep doing it. Because if you didn't listen, we wouldn't bother. Essentially, I, I think that's. I think we're right in saying that. Yeah. I, I'd like to say that we've got integrity, and do you know what? We just record them for ourselves, and if other people like them, it's a bonus. But no, please listen so, and tell your friends. So if you want us, because... if you want us to stop, you've got to stop yourself. Yes. But please don't. No, no, don't don't ever no, do that. No, don't. We love you. Anyway, yes, so anyway, thank you for everyone who has listened to enable us to get to 100 podcasts. We never thought it was going to happen when we started, but it bloody well has. Yeah. I didn't realise we'd lose Jerry along the way, though. You know, let's just uh, pause for a second to think of fallen comrades. So then, you know, you gained me quite early on, so... Yes, yeah, that's swings true. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Swings <laughs> Yeah. 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 We love you too, Owen. We love you but, too. But we've got a lot to we've got a lot to cover this week, so we can't mm. hang around patting ourselves on the back. So we've got six new releases, BAFTA reaction, and Oscar predictions. Um, what? We, we've got the fire, fire straight into the quiz then. Um, okay. Yeah. Should we do the Cutthroat Island review yes, first? Yes. But, yes. Let's do. Let's do. James and, James and Owen have both seen the Cutthroat Island now and can review this cinematic masterpiece. Shall I start? Because I, I have a feeling that Owen feels more strongly than I do. Yeah. So we'll start <laughs> off with me first. And do you know what? I'm just going to say, I didn't think it was as bad as everyone said it would be. Um, it wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination. And half of it seemed to be in slow motion. Uh, which was an odd thing. Um, Gina Davis giving off Arnold Schwarzenegger-style one-liners, which aren't actually that funny. And do you know what? When Arnie delivers them in his you know, Austrian accent, they're quite funny. When Gina Davis delivers them, not so. She's not quite got the charisma of Arnie either. But as all, all I'd say is, and I know this film apparently killed off the pirate genre for for at least a decade, until Pirates of the Caribbean. And I'm not sure how many other pirate films were going to be well, made. Was it, was it before or after Muppet Treasure Island? 
Um, actually, I think it was after. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, because think what would have happened if it was before. No Muppet uh, Treasure Island. Well, that's that's a sad state of affairs, I'll be honest. I know that would it could, it could have killed off pirate. It could have killed off pirate films and Muppet films. Whoa. So, day. It's not, let's not say something we can't no take back no difference to, to me. Shut it, you. <laughs> we'll have a chat about that later okay. on, clearly, you miserable old soul. <laughs> But, President business over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But do you know what? It's uh, in my opinion, I've seen one and a half of the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels, and this is better than them. It's not as good as Pirates of the Caribbean: Curse of Black Pearl, which is a good, fun family film. This is a good. No, it's not good. No, sorry, that's wrong. This is a bad, but not terrible family film. Uh, yeah, ugh, I, I can't help but think there was a bit of charm to it. But Owen, I think hated the experience it, yeah it was like bleeding out of my eyes for two hours that's what it was like wow. it was that's a film as well that's a film i'd watch just me bleeding out of my eyes for two hours <laughs> <laughs> well <laughs> yeah uh, it's it was... found footage though, clearly. <laughs> yeah just my wife in the corner of the room filming yeah. it on her phone uploads <laughs> it to youtube yeah. but never watches it yeah um yeah no i thought it was absolutely dire just for two hours, it went on and on and on. And it just, there was no need for it to be that long for a start. It was just absolute shit. And there was just so much money pumped into it. Every scene, it looked really expensive. You know? It did. To be fair, the money was on screen. The money was on screen and there was absolutely no story of any kind worth watching. To get from but there was, a, there was a treasure map on, on a scalp. There was a tre- <laughs> it was strangely dark to start with. It was meant to have Oliver Reed in it, wasn't it? But he got sacked for touching up Gina Davis or something. I don't know. I can't remember now. But uh, was, I'd have it must to have tainted. <laughs> yeah, but it must have tainted the film then. Because I thought to start with um, that it wasn't quite as kiddie as I thought it was going to be. And then it just went to utter shit. Just absolutely tragic waste of an evening. <laughs> any any redeeming qualities? I've seen all the Paranormal Activity films. So. Any, yeah. any, any redeeming qualities, Owen, for it from your any point? Re- uh, I spotted I'm Matthew Medine, and I realised that suddenly the same guy from Full Metal Jacket who plays Private Joker is in this film. I was like, oh, yeah, that's Matthew Medine. And then, no, that was it. He was terrible. He's, he could. He He's not got. No. He's not got the the kind of Johnny Depp playing Captain Jack Sparrow about him, has he? Which no. he really, which he really needed to kind of give this film anything. Well, he was meant to be quite um, charismatic, I think, and he, <laughs> he's he a charisma wasn't. vacuum. Oh my gosh! I love this song. On February seventh, only one word describes the 3D event of the year. Awesome! Yeah! <gasps> Welcome to the 100th Failed Critics Podcast, episode 100, or at least episode 100 that you will actually hear. Yes. As, <laughs> as we recorded last week, and James cocked it all up, so... This is... I'm gonna blame Skype. I'm gonna blame Skype. Mm. So this is this is this is podcast 101 for us, 
but 100 for you. And that's a fantastic milestone. And really thanks to everyone who bothers to listen so that we keep doing it. Because if you didn't listen, we wouldn't bother, essentially. I, I think that's. I think we're right in saying that. Yeah. I, I'd like to say that we've got integrity. And do you know what? We just record them for ourselves. And if other people like them, it's a bonus. But no, please listen so, and tell your friends. So if you want us, because... if you want us to stop, you've got to stop yourself. Yes. But please don't. No, no, don't, don't ever no, do that. No, don't. We love you. Anyway, yes. So anyway, thank you for everyone who has listened to enable us to get to 100 podcasts. We never thought it was going to happen when we started, but it bloody well has. Yeah. I didn't realise we'd lose Jerry along the way though. You know, let's just uh, pause for a second to think of fallen comrades. So then you know. You gained me quite early on, so... Yes, yeah, that's swings true. Swings and roundabouts. Yeah. Swing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's one way off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we love you too, Owen. We love you but, too. But we've got, a lot to, we've got a lot to cover this week, so we can't mm. hang around patting ourselves on the back. So we've got six new releases, BAFTA reaction, and Oscar predictions. Um, what? We, we've got to fire, fire straight into the quiz then. Um, okay. Yeah. Should we do the Cutthroat Island review yes, first? Yes. Yes. But yes. Let's do. Let's do. James Frantic. James and Owen have both seen the Cutthroat Island now and can review this cinematic masterpiece. Shall I start? Because I, I have a feeling that Owen feels more strongly than I do. Yeah. So we'll start <laughs> off with me first. And do you know what? I'm just going to say I didn't think it was as bad as everyone said it would be. Um. It wasn't great by any stretch of the imagination, and half of it seemed to be in slow motion, uh, which was an odd thing. Um, Gina Davis giving off Arnold Schwarzenegger-style one-liners, which aren't actually that funny. And do you know what? When Arnie delivers them in his you know, Austrian accent, they're quite funny. When Gina Davis delivers them, not so. She's not quite got the charisma of Arnie either. But as... All I'd say is, and I know this film apparently killed off the pirate genre for for at least a decade until Pirates of the Caribbean. And I'm not sure how many other pirate films were going to be well, made. Was it, was it before or after Muppet Treasure Island? Um, actually, I think it was after. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. um, think what have happened if it was before. No Muppet Treasure Island. Well, that's that's a sad state of affairs, I'll be honest. I know that would it could, it could have killed Makes... off pirate it could have killed off pirate films and Muppet films. Whoa. Let's, so, yeah. let's not let's not say something we can't no back difference to me. Shut it, you, you we'll have a chat about that later okay. on, clearly, you miserable old soul. <laughs> but, President business over there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But do you know what? It's uh, in my opinion, I've seen one and a half of the Pirates of the Caribbean sequels and this is better than them. It's not as good as Pirates of the Caribbean, Curse of Black Pearl, which is a good, fun family film. This is a good... No, it's not good. No, sorry. That's wrong. This is a bad but not terrible family film. Uh, Yeah, I I can't help but think there was a bit of charm to it, but Owen, I think, hated the experience. Yeah, it was like bleeding out of my eyes for two hours. That's what it was like. That's a film as well. That's a film I'd watch. Just me bleeding out of my eyes for two hours. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, Only if it's found footage, though, clearly. <laughs> yeah, just my wife in the corner of the room filming yeah. it on her phone. Uploads <laughs> it to YouTube, yeah. but never watches it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, no, I thought it was absolutely dire. Just for two hours, it went on and on and on. And it just, there was no need for it to be that long for a start. It was just absolute shit. And there was just so much money pumped into it. Every scene, it looked really expensive. You know? It did. To be fair, the money was on screen. The money was on screen and there was absolutely no story of any kind worth watching. To get from but there was, a, there was a treasure map on, on a scalp. There's a tre- <laughs> it was strangely dark to start with. It was meant to have Oliver Reed in it, wasn't it? But he got sacked for touching up Gina Davis or something. I don't know. I can't remember now. But uh, he, was, I'd have he must to have tainted. To to it. Gina <laughs> <Davis>. <laughs> yeah, but it must have tainted the film then. Because I thought to start with um, that it wasn't quite as kiddy as I thought it was going to be. And then it just went to utter shit. Just absolutely tragic waste of an evening. <laughs> any any redeeming qualities? I haven't seen all the paranormal activity films. So. Any, yeah. any, re- any redeeming qualities, Owen, for it from your any point re- of view? Uh, I spotted I Matthew Medine and I realised that suddenly the same guy from Full Metal Jacket who plays Private Joker is in this film. I was like, oh yeah, that's Matthew Medine. And then, no, that was it. He was terrible. He's, he could, he wasn't. So, he's not got no. he's not got the the kind of Johnny Depp playing Captain Jack Sparrow about him as he, which no. he really which he really needed to kind of give this film anything. Well, he was meant to be quite um, charismatic, I think, and he, <laughs> he's he a charisma vacuum. He was in this film. He was just dreadful. I really like him in Full Metal Jacket. It's one of my favourite Kubrick films. I think he's one of the best things about Full Metal Jacket. In this, he was just dreadful, and um, he was in that film I had to watch with. Michael Keaton, Pacific Heights, and he was good in that as well. But there's just something about him in this, which is it. It's the opposite of making you want to watch it. It makes you want to just turn it off when well, he's on screen. There we go. And now it's time for the quiz, where we get one step closer to watching a terrible film. Uh, last last week the podcast didn't go out, but Owen did win the quiz. Somehow it's been decided to keep that result, so it now stands poised. <laughs> Bitter. Just take my word for it. <laughs> Yeah. Like Howard Webb, I've bottled it and I'm giving it to her. I think you actually awarded me three points as well, didn't you, James? <laughs> Technically. <laughs> so the quiz, no, is, I know, quiz is poised at 1-1. One, one. It is, and Owen is desperate to take revenge. Yes. <laughs> Owen is desperate to get revenge. All I've heard Owen say is that he's aiming, if he wins, he's aiming his choice at Steve, and I'm just collateral damage in this, yeah. uh, which concerns me. Um, right, so yeah, on to the quiz then. I'm starting off in 1997 with Men Seeking Women. That's my dating profile. <laughs> <laughs> and then also in 1997, Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. Steve. Uh, okay, Steve's in. Rob Lowe. No. Owen. Christian Slater. Yes. No. Oh. In 1998, A Night at the Roxbury. No, don't know that one. In 1999, The Suburbans. In also 1999, Austin Powers, The Spy Who Shagged Me. Oh, it's Steve. Seth Green. No. Moving to 2001, Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Trying to think who's in that. Who's also in Austin Powers? Okay, moving on to 2000. Another one in 2001, Zoolander. Owen. 
Yes. It's not Will Ferrell, is it? It is. Oh, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. I had no idea he was in the Austin Powers. He's, I know he's in. I know he's in one. He gets. He gets. He plays a character called Mustafa. What he, he gets? He falls off a cliff. I remember, okay. and he's laying at the bottom of the cliff and joking about his broken leg, and I can't remember if it's funny or not because I've not watched Aston Powers for a long time. Yeah. No, I don't know if they're funny anymore. Maybe yeah. I've... I'm sure the first one still is. They're making a fourth, apparently. Really? Apparently, yeah. But anyway, Owen takes yeah, a nice 2-1 lead. Come back from behind that was eluding Man City earlier today. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, on to um, our... Straight into the news, and the news, big news really is the uh, reaction to the BAFTAs uh, and the reaction to my live tweeting of the BAFTAs. Good one. I'm hilarious. Do you know what? <laughs> Genuinely, Steve, I, I've heard only good things about your live tweeting of the BAFTAs. You, you did, an, you did a, a sterling job, and I didn't watch them, but I'd argue you're possibly the front runner to replace Stephen Fry. I, That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is... I didn't spoil it for people because it obviously didn't go out on TV yeah. live. And there were yeah. so many accounts, and no one was annoyed by this as well. There were so many accounts who were tweeting it live as it happened and not live as it, and not, as it was on TV, which ruined it for a lot of people. Because as, as, as the Fail Critics account, we naturally follow a lot of film-related accounts, magazines, yeah. newspapers, etc., etc. Ruined. You know, I knew who won it before it was on telly. And, it, and I think... Do you know what I think part of that is... They're just showing off that they're actually at the ceremony. I mean, what, That's what, the only reason they're doing what, it, is to go, I'm actually here listening what, to it What live. do they get out of it? They must have only pissed people off. I mean, all right, there were so, some people who weren't going to watch it on telly or couldn't watch it on telly, so they yeah. probably didn't mind that it was being tweeted as you know right. live before it was actually on the telly. But they wouldn't have minded either if it was tweeted as it was coming happening on the no, telly. So they, they've only served to piss people off by doing it. Yeah. But I think I in think America... Empire dealt with it quite well, because Empire were yeah. kind of saying it and then they were putting a link which you could yeah, click we, we, onto we, their website which, the, which could see which, it and that was a nice way of doing it. Which the BAFTAs were doing as well. The BAFTAs yeah. themselves did the same thing but yeah. there was a lot of people, Film 4 for one, um, yeah. one of the film magazines, I can't the remember. Guardian it was, Film did it as well but I think they did it by accident. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's just really stupid because what that happens then is people either mute you or unfollow you. It's mm-hmm. not going to get you getting more list followers, it's going to have you getting less. And people, uh, and I, people calling you an idiot. Yeah, like you, Steve. Uh, you rightly called out a few people on yeah. that, and I think that was that was excellent work. But no, Steve, your your live tweeting was uh, was excellent, and what it lacked in in depth film analysis, <laughs> it made up for in laughter. Yeah, the laughter, so laughter, laughter at the back like as I turned um, as I turned it and apologised straight away. That was good. No, I like that, Steve. <laughs> the, don't don't ever apologise for a pun like that. That was that was pure class. Uh, anyway, um, actual reaction to the Baftas and and, and not. You know, brown nosing me. Yeah. Um, well, first year, uh, first off, uh, Twelve Years <coughs> a Slave won the film it really needed to win mm-hmm. in terms of kind of like Oscar momentum and everything like that. If that's actually a thing. And yeah, Twelve Years a Slave won Best Film, beating off American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Crab Team, Philomena. Um, I think everyone was deservedly. beating off American Hustle. Hey. <laughs> American Hustle though, a couple of unexpected uh, wins actually. Uh, while we're on that. Winning Best Supporting Actress for Jennifer Lawrence, who didn't even show up. Mm. Uh, and I'm sure that was the reason she was kind of nominated, because the Baptists were hoping she'd show up, yeah. to be well, honest. Wasn't she, she filming something else, apparently? She, she was, yeah. Hung- and Hunger it also Games won... Seven or something. 
Yeah, that's that. That'll be the one. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she also, uh, it also won best original screenplay as well, uh, beating Blue Jasmine Gravity, which again, Gravity should never have been nominated for screenplay. I'm a big fan of Gravity. I'm a big fan of the film. I I, I don't get the criticism the the script has, but it's not a, an award. No, but I mean, script. I mean, as as Stephen Fry pointed out, I suppose that category might have been weaker because so many films this year and so many good films this year were based on on true stories and and real Mm. events yeah that said i I still think there were better original screenplays than gravity yeah yeah. but you know i think that category was was weaker because the best films were about you know buy off biopics or or based on real real events or yeah yeah uh, no, 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 I agree with you, Steve. Although, interestingly, American Hustle, um, based on real events, but one best original screenplay because no one's ever actually written a book about those real events. So that's some, some of the qualification process for, for the BAFTAs was a bit strange. I mean, well, best, let's talk about best, that. Best, best British film. Uh, Gravity. Was, yeah, was it was it was a bit, you know, I, I think I tweeted it was like Irish selection for, for 1990s, their international football team. Yeah, because you know. part of because apparently it's a points process. Um, it's not like you're either British or not, but you need to fit in certain categories. And part of the points it got was because Alfonso Cuaron lives in Great Britain, which is a bit yeah. stretching it, um, yeah, so, in my so, opinion. What, somebody who, who was involved with catering once had a stopover at Gatwick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although, what I would say, though, uh, in its defence, is that the reason the film was so successful was because of the way it was filmed. And that was designed and executed purely in Britain. Uh, it was filmed at Shepparton, I believe, mm-hmm. and um, the, actual, the, the mechanics of it and everything was all set up in Britain using a British crew. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not entirely comfortable with it winning outstanding british film considering it's basically two american stars and sorry this is why i show my ignorance is curon is he spanish he's spanish isn't yes he? yeah spanish director american stars uh spanish writer as well because obviously curon and his brother wrote the film um yeah i'm i'm still a little bit kind of and it, it doesn't take place in britain you know it I'm still a little bit kind of uneasy about it. And I do think it's a shame that the BAFTAs have added a sixth film to that category purely so they can go, look at this small little indie budget film that we're at least giving a nomination to. That film this year was The Selfish Giant, um, which I've still not seen, but I've heard very good things about. But it does seem a little bit of a token gesture. Yeah, but Uh, Saving Mr. Banks was also in that category. Yes, it was. If we're going to complain about gravity being mm. British film, which I don't, I think it's fine. I think, you know, the, the reason... Yeah, I like I said, but I, I could go one way or the other on that. I'm not particularly angry about it or anything like that. Um, Saving Mr. Banks was written by a British guy, wasn't it? It was actually written by Brit and had Emma Thompson, but pretty much everything else about yeah. it. Again, um, 12 Years a Slave um, obviously didn't qualify for outstanding British film because despite its... Um, two british leads essentially and a british um director and were uh, film four yeah. involved in the making of it or was that just because in his no, previous work and the yeah I've, I I've, just, just... I've just seen the trailer the advert on you know channel four right. lately with 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 him 
sort of yeah. saying, I couldn't have I done all this without film four. And then they show a clip of 12 Years a Slave and you kind of think, mm. and I think it's American money. I think Brad Pitt put that one together, basically, yeah. didn't he? Um, and that's and why he plays the hero. Yeah. And it's a very American story as well. So that's why that didn't qualify. But so that's that's a weird thing for me. And I, I'll be honest, I'd prefer outstanding British film to actually go to a film that I recognised as being a British film. But I'm not going to complain too much. The weird thing, though, is I was I've thought Dallas Buyers Club mm. and her both must have been ineligible due to release dates. And it turns out, no, they weren't. And screeners were sent to judges and they got completely shunned. Um, not even a screenplay for her. Uh, nothing for Matthew McConaughey. Nothing for Jared Leto. And it was eligible. And judges did have copies. And is this going to be the... Because last year I thought the BAFTAs made the Oscars look a bit stupid because the BAFTAs gave uh, Best Director to Ben Affleck for Argo despite the fact that Ben Affleck hadn't even been nominated for an Oscar. Mm. This year... The BAFTAs are the ones looking a bit dumb because it's, to me, I'm not saying it's a certainty, but, you know, the fact that Matthew McConaughey wasn't even nominated uh, and the fact that Jared Leto wasn't, that does look a bit bad, doesn't it? It's a bit strange. It's it's very peculiar. Um, it, look, it looks like a snub. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I don't quite know what's happened there in terms of the judges and things like that. But um, I loved American Hustle. But Christian Bailey in ahead of Matthew McConaughey for best actor. And and also I know I've I'm gonna watch Captain Phillips this week, but I know full well that Owen doesn't agree that Tom Hanks should have been there ahead of uh, Matthew McConaughey. And then in Best Supporting Actor, again, ugh, Bradley Cooper from American Hustle in a, in ahead of Jared Leto just feels and actually, do you know what? Matt Matt Damon in Behind the Candelabra was decent, but that for me that film was about Michael Douglas. And if Matt Damon got a nomination and Michael Douglas didn't, that also feels a bit weird. I'm not sure about Matt Damon in that. Mm. I just wasn't sure about him in it at all. No, that's an odd nomination for me. But so we're talking about supporting actor. I'm glad Barker Dabdi won. Yes, but let's I... not take away from Barker Dabdi, actually. And that's really great that he won. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting to see that. But everything I've heard is that he's, he is basically the best thing in Captain yeah. Phillips. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm really looking forward to watching it purely because of him and um, Paul Greengrass's direction. But, uh, but so, yeah, and Daniel... definitely should have won that. I mean, if, if anyone was going to win Best Supporting Actor, that was that yeah. was by far and away the best performance was Fassbender. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, 12 Years a Slave, although it won Best Film, it kind of it did miss out on a few of those. Oh, and also um, Chiwetel Ejiofor uh, won Best Actor for Twelve Years a Slave, which you know was important. And actually, out of those five, yeah, I I agree with that as well. Um, um, but yeah, no, you're right about Fastbender. And also, a lot of people were surprised that Lupita Ngongo for Twelve Years a Slave lost out to Jennifer Lawrence in Supporting yeah. Actress as well. Um, so yeah, that's there's a, there's been a few odd kind of decisions there. I think um, Kate Blanchett winning Best Actress I think was a no-brainer, and I I can't see anything stopping her winning the Oscar. Um, but also really good. I thought Philomena winning Best Adapted yeah. Screenplay. So Steve Coogan and Jeppo, that's a that's a really great award for them. And I, do you know what? Possibly they could still be in with a chance. Uh, are they Oscar nominated? Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. Um. So yeah. 
wouldn't that be great um animated film one by frozen documentary uh the act of killing foreign film the great beauty uh beating blue is the warmest color um which i loved so but i've still not seen the great beauty so i can't really complain um yeah i think that's that's about it in terms of in terms of the biggest points of the evening well, um, cinematography is the one that we've, we've touched on on previous podcasts, so I don't think okay, we need to go yeah. into a massive conversation. But, of course, Gravity winning it is still considered by some people quite controversial because yes. of the cinematography techniques that are employed. I personally yeah. thought 12 Years a Slave, if you're going to go for any of those films, would have won that one, to be honest. Well... I can see why Gravity did that. I can see I did, why Gravity did if you If you get to the stage where you go, it's that, you know, that is just as legitimate an art of cinematography as something like 12 Years a Slave, then I can see why Gravity won. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same as, it, you know, if they'd have given it to Avatar, that's what it was like, because it was just a lot of CGI stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's there were worse films that could have won it, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um, from from BAFTA's bad choices to ours, we now are going to give our predictions for the biggest awards in the Oscars, which is uh, just around the corner. Yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll run through these and I'll give you mine, and then I'll ask for each of your two predictions. I hope you're going to write them down so we can. I am. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a pen and paper, but it would be useful if you could also remember your list as well, just in case I lose this bit of paper. Um, what I'm going to say as well is we'll open this up to listeners. So email us at podcast at failcritics.com with your predictions as well, and if anyone beats all of us. I will send them a Cut free copy Island. of Cutthroat <laughs> Island. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, you will God. get a free copy of Cutthroat Island plus any other DVDs I'm just trying to get rid well, of I, out I've, of my collection. I've got, some DVD, can... I've got some DVD box sets that I've upgraded to Blu-ray, so I'm sure I can find something. We're going to put together this kind of amazing second-hand yeah, pamper. I can throw in winner. a few as well. That's yeah. So that, that's what you're looking at here. So if you can beat us... I can throw in all six Star Wars films on DVD. Wow. So... What the DVD? The DVD ones have got the theatrical version. Are they the ones with the theatrical oh, versions? I, I, don't, I can't remember, but you're not having them if it is. So yeah. No, no, no. Don't get because the theatrical ones aren't on Blu-ray. Back to the, That's back, why. Back to the Future you can have. Okay. Because so you go. you've got that on Blu-ray. Yes. Hope you're not just giving that away. Uh, yet. No, I've okay. got that on Blu-ray. Right. So, um, do you need me to read out the the actual? Let's just do the tips. Let's, let's just, just do. Just say the award and yeah. then what we're picking. Okay. There's no need to list everything. Yeah, so in Best Picture, I am going for 12 Years a Slave. Steve? This is this is difficult because I kind of want to be different because, you know, or else it kind of takes something away from... But, you know, nominate... Well, I'm going to go for 12 Years a Slave as well. I yeah, can't yeah. see anything. Yeah, we have got 13 of these, yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, 12 Years a Slave. I think so, yeah. Okay, Best Actor in a Leading Role. I'm going for Matthew McConaughey in Dallas, Dallas Buyers Club. Steve? Uh, um, the only one I've not seen is Bruce Dern in Nebraska. I'm going to go for Chiwetel Ejiofor for 12 Years a Slave. And Owen? Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Yeah. Okay, on to Best Actress. I think this will be a clean sweep. I'm going for Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go. I haven't seen Kate, uh, Blue Jasmine or Philomena. The other three I don't really think are worthy of winning it, so it's got to really be Kate Blanchett. Cool. Yeah, no oh. no other contest is there. It's Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so best actor in a supporting role. I'm going for Jared Leto. I am also going for Jared Leto. Okay. Uh, and unsurprisingly, so am I. Yeah. 
I know. These are okay. This is where it might get a little bit interesting. Best actress in supporting role. I'm going for Jennifer Lawrence. I am going to go for Peter Nyong'o. And Owen. I've also chosen Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Best animated feature then. I'm going for Frozen. I've not seen any of these. So it makes it really difficult. Uh, I'm going just to be different and going to go with Despicable Me 2. Even though I think it'll be frozen, I'm going to throw something different in there just to try and get the scores changed a bit. Okay, and Owen? See, now I know it's going to be frozen. I just know it's going to be frozen. But I want to say The Wind Rises. Uh, Just because they might give it to Miyazaki for his last... No, it's got to be frozen. Oh, Owen's playing I'm playing safe, yeah. yeah. Okay, best director, I'm going for Alfonso <laughs> Cuaron. I'm going to go with Steve McQueen. Oh, nice. I, I, I would genuinely love that. Um, Owen? I think you might as well just copy and paste your list into mine, because uh, uh, gravity well, is... Well, we're getting into the more difficult ones soon, but are you going Alfonso Cuaron? Yeah, yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, best documentary feature. I'm going for The Act of Killing. It's my favourite film from last year. Of course, I'm going for that. I'm going to go for. I've not seen any of these, um, but I'm going to go for The Act of Killing as well. Yeah, Owen. Yeah, Act of Killing. Yeah, obviously. Okay. Best foreign language film. I'm going for The Great Beauty. Despite having not seen it, I really want The Hunt to win, but I'm going for The Great Beauty. Uh, Steve. I'm going to go for The Hunt then. Nice. Owen? I've gone for The Great Beauty as well. It's just just got the momentum behind it. I know, yeah. Okay, best original song, I'm going for Let It Go from Frozen. I refuse to vote for U2, even though I think they'll probably win it. So I'm going to go for The Moon Song. The Moon Song, nice. Karen O from Yeah, Yeah, Yeah is excellent. Uh, Performing live on the night, I think, as well. Owen? Uh, I guess... Let it go. Yeah, that's what I put there. Okay. And, uh... okay it, best it, it, adapted... Unfortunately, everything is awesome. Did not make that. So I know. Yeah. Um, just missed the cut off there. A best adapted screenplay. This is where I'm going a bit different. I'm going for Before Midnight. I'm going to go actually for Philomena. I would genuinely love that. Yeah. I've gone oh, for with. Philomena. Mainly out of optimism. Okay. And then best original screenplay. I've gone for American Hustle. I'm going to after seeing all of those except Blue Jasmine and Brown I'm going to go Dallas Buyers Club okay and Owen American Hustle but I've gone for that I think that's just because (laughs) nothing else that I've picked is uh, David O. Russell's and I think he's got to win something something. yeah so is there any uh, me and Owen differ on best adapted screenplay yeah is that it that's it wow We've got very similar this year. Last you year, I think you went for lots of, like... I went for lots of gut instincts exactly. in this time. Yeah, and I, they fucked me over. I've, I got worst score out of everyone I've, I've just year. tried to be a bit different to you guys, just to kind of, you know, make it a bit less boring. Yeah, yeah so I've just made it very boring. I'm not, call, well, I'm, think, not, I'm not calling you boring. I'm just <laughs> saying, if we all pick the same thing, or you know, That's right, it kind of yeah. defeat the object of trying to beat one another. See, 
it could it could have it could have mixed it up a little bit if we'd gone into loads of the technical ones, but I I'd just didn't been, I'd just been great. picking names out massively. I clearly would have gone for Bad <laughs> Grandpa Best Makeup just because Bad Grandpa being an Oscar nominated film's hilarious. Yeah. Right, yeah. So that's it. So if you can beat those, you will win a bumper hamper of failed critics discarded goodies. And we cannot guarantee the condition of these. If they are scratched, tough shit. No, I've no idea if they'll play. Just try and if they if they don't try and just pass them off at CEX and hope they don't notice. No, we're not going to put a return address on these, right? They're not going to come back to us. I'm going to send. I'm you, gonna you send once they're gone, they're gone. You can send them to me and then I'll send them on because I'm I'm I don't mind being the figurehead. That's fine. <laughs> Uh, anyway, we're going to have a first break now, and then we will be back with. Uh, we've got six new reviews to release, uh, to review, new releases to review, something like that. Uh, yeah. First, the first lot will be the Lego Movie, Cuban Fury, and Monuments Men. All right, first new review, uh, new release review of this bumper selection is the much-anticipated Lego Movie. Uh, starring Chris Pratt as Emmett. Here's a clip. Well, where can we go where we can't be found? Maybe we could go underwater. What if we went underwater? Great idea, babe. Thank you, Batman. Your ideas are the best. But hey, I just said that. We could build a submarine. A bat submarine patent pending. With the rainbows. And dream catchers in case we take a nap. Like an underwater spaceship. But you can't build all of them at once. Ready? Ready? Break. Okay. These are the colors I need. Blue raspberry and sour if anybody has black parts, I need them, okay? I only work in black. And sometimes very, very dark gray. Use the yellow bricks. You guys, can I help? Oh, it has to be this way. No, I need that. Where is he? Anyone know what this is, and do you need it? I think we could use wings, rocket boosters. You get your retro space stuff out of my area. You guys, hey, just tell me exactly what to do and how to do it. Emmett, don't worry about what the others are doing. You must embrace what is special about you. And of course, there's many other people in in the voice cast, including uh, Morgan Freeman, Will Arnett, Liam Neeson, and others. I thought it was very good, a lot of fun. Probably one of the best animated films I've seen in a long time. I've not seen Frozen from this year, but you know, one of the best animated kids films I've seen in a long time. And that reaction was shared by pretty much the whole cinema I was in, which was packed, and you know, mm-hmm. kids kids right through to adults. Uh, saw it. I'd like to add, it's nothing to do with Lego Movie. They played that um, Harrison Ford advert for Sky or whatever beforehand. Mm. Oh, it looks so miserable. Yeah, but, yeah but I was really happy that the kid, the little kid, you know, must have been like six behind me, mm. pointed out that and said, "That's Han Solo," and I thought there is some hope. Oh, there's some <laughs> hope. There, there, yeah. there is a new hope that was for me. Oh, oh. So, uh, but yeah. Anyway, no. And you were being a phantom menace, weren't you, Steve? It's not. Sorry. Let's not comment about what I was doing at the back of the cinema after a kids' film. It's really dangerous ground. Yeah. How I got in. Uh, anyway, uh, yes, I thought it was great, and it was it was a reaction shared by the whole the whole screen from from men to women to kids to parents to you know whatever. Yeah. Everything is awesome. I love and, this and, film. Unless you're Owen, then it's so not much. awesome. You're just well, yeah. You're it's just it's a cynical. You're just a cynical Lord business. We'll give Owen yeah. his moment in a second. But I just want to say, I've paid to see this film twice now. I've paid over £20 to actually... I might have I might have paid twice if it wasn't half term this week. 
Oh, okay, no, that's fine. But actually, I went to see it in half term, and there were kids there. And second time I saw it, I enjoyed it even more. And there were kids laughing, and there were families laughing. There was a group of students at the back, I think, who were laughing at all the kind of Star Wars references being all, and things. Being like. all ironic and hipster. Exactly. <laughs> and um, okay, so it's uh, it's uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, isn't it? Um, yeah. so the makers of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. And also 21 Jump Street. And, and, and some... Yeah, and, and weren't they kind of involved in Robot Chicken as well from Cartoon Network or someone involved with the, with Lego Movie? I think so, yeah. Which, which uh, like, feels like a Robot Chicken. So which, 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 is, which is kind of strange because you're getting, you know, Robot Chicken and 21 Jump Street. You're getting kind of adult comedy writers mm. to write for a kid's film, which is probably yeah. what helps it appeal to everyone. Hmm. oh definitely and it really does and i think that's I, I honestly think it's an incredible achievement this film i, I think this this is a I, people are underlooking the the achievement of this film it the jokes range from very simple jokes which you know kids and the whole family can enjoy to some really really clever and sublime pop culture references and things that i didn't even notice the first time round. um some really really great little things like uh superman and green lantern lego superman and green lantern not getting on and being voiced by um channing tatum and jonah hill from the yeah. 21 jump films yeah that's something that's in there for adults but it's not one of those films where oh it's a kiddie story oh here is an adult joke it's genuinely universal so, someone pointed out as well that you know the, the space the space man the 80s space man mm. benny i think that yeah. his, his helmet was cracked and somebody somewhere on the internet pointed out that they had loads of them and the helmet always cracked mm. in that place that, that helmet just... cracks in exactly the same place and, and what i loved was looking at because it's all cgi but obviously it's made to look like stop motion lego which is brilliant which is a brilliant idea um and there's just so many little tiny touch where it's looking all flashy and classy and then all of a sudden someone's like pushing a boat going like that and it's just like oh that just brings back the magic of playing with lego and like if you looked at the characters they had scuffs they had chips taken out of them it looked like they were lego characters which had been played with by the directors over and over again and i I just think it's an incredible achievement to make a U certificate film, which I found me as a 34 year old who went to see it without any kids. I went, I've been to see it twice on my own and found it gut bustingly funny. Haven't and there you've were got a young with, girl though. And you've yeah, she, not taken, that's not, really cruel. That's really mean. She's not quite ready for this at the cinema. Honestly, <laughs> okay. I take her, I take her to see special kind of special screenings, the cinema where kids can run around and scream at the front of the screen and okay. things like that. I, I wouldn't, if this comes up in one of those showings, I'll take her to see that. Otherwise I'll, I'll, you know, I'll wait for it to come <laughs> out on Blu-ray. Um, but I, 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 and I'm not doing this to be controversial or hipsterish or anything like that. I honestly think this is the best film I've seen all year. Okay, so where do you? Do you Owen? Hang on, no, no, you know, sit for. Yeah. I mean, if you're if you're talking about animated kids' films, you know, especially recently since, let's take it since Pixar came into existence because for me it's up there with with the best of with the, with the best since Toy Story came along. So that's whether it's Pixar or DreamWorks or whoever else, but since Toy Story came along. And these new kind of animated films yeah. came along. It's, it, it's, it's it, universal as Toy yeah. Story, but it's funnier. That. 
I, I love this. I mean, there, there, I genuinely there, there were some it. bits that were great. I mean, Will Arnett as Batman was fantastic. Le- Best Batman since Adam West. Le- <laughs> Liam Neeson <laughs> playing the good cop and the bad cop and, bad and the cop, cop's yeah. parents was, was great. Will, yeah. Will Ferrell's got the Will ideal... Will Ferrell's doing a brilliant job in this. Will Ferrell does a fantastic in, in, job. In both his roles. I don't really know how much yeah. you can say that yeah, about, about spoiling don't go it. In, yeah, no, but, don't go yeah. into too much. But, you know, in, in both his third roles. act is one of the bravest things I've seen from a mainstream film. Honestly, that... I am... I am No, honestly, it is one of the bravest movies which could have fallen apart it so could, badly. It could have made the film fall on its arse. And yeah. everyone would be like, what does. is going on here? But it works. Everyone's like, it, completes that re- film, it really it. kind of it, it, it encapsulates everything, really, doesn't it? About yeah. what, what is going on in the film. Yeah. And, and But do you know what? Let's, we, we've, we've gone about how everything is awesome. Um, and God, that tune is amazing. Uh, but let, let's let Owen. It's Lonely Island, isn't it? Or Lonely, Lonely Island are involved in <laughs> it, it's, um, it's Tegan and Sarah yeah. featuring Lonely Island. And what a tune. Everything is awesome. Can't stop singing it. Uh, but Owen, I, I think has been. I, I'm sure I heard a cough of disdain from Owen just now. So I, I want to hear what Owen's got to say. The, wait, I <laughs> coughed when you said that the final act is like the bravest thing you've seen in film for however recent. Because yeah. it was it really, really yeah. the Gen- bravest thing you've seen of them do? Really? Yeah, for, uh, what I'm talking, okay, from a mainstream film, right? thinking of its audience, thinking of um, you know the fact that it is opening huge and wide and everywhere. Obviously, I've seen braver things like that in the act of killing or art house cinema and stuff and like it, that. And you got to think this has probably got a bigger or definitely got a bigger audience, something like Dallas Buyers Club or Twelve Years a Slave. So this is this is a this isn't every person. There's certain people who won't go and see films like Twelve Years a Slave. Every everyone is probably up for going to see the Lego movie. And I honestly think the third act was both unexpected, intelligent for thinking of the audience. And I think it was very brave and I think it worked. And obviously it brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> Okay. Well, every film does that with you. I mean, that's that's nothing. That's, you know what? I didn't mean anything. I, I didn't cry at um, Twelve Years a Slave, and I did cry at this. And I don't know what that says about me mm. or you. Uh, go on then, Owen. Go on then. Where, where do I fit in there? I don't know. I mean, it's made out now like I don't like the film, but I do. I do like the Lego movie. Lord, Lord, business. Don't play with it. It's not a toy. It's a model. Ah, oh, it's just what you're like, isn't it? If you had kids, you'd be like that, wouldn't you? You're not allowed to play, but I built it now. Leave it there. Here's some bricks that you can make whatever you want out of, but don't touch my Millennium. Fo- no, you wouldn't do a Millennium Fog. You don't like Star Wars. Don't touch my skyscraper. God. Yeah. All right, Steve. All right. Keep your hair on. Um. No, I, I do like. I genuinely do like the Lego Movie. I think it was funny. I did laugh quite a lot. It was very consistently funny. Um, perhaps a bit more than I was expecting it to be. Because I have to. I think I said I saw the the Lego Batman Movie, which was awful. That was just cut scenes from the game, yeah. and that was just terrible. That did not work at all. And I am. I have this reputation done as a grumpy, miserable bastard anyway, but I am a bit <laughs> sick of seeing. <laughs> I am a bit sick of the constant Legoing of everything else from football to like movie clips that goes on. How can you not like anything in Lego, Owen? I'm disgusted. It by doesn't. That. Just pull in something in Lego doesn't make it better. No, no, some things don't work. Like when I see them, kind of. They had a big thing on the end of Football Focus recently where they converted a load of football's greatest moments into Lego. And I just thought it looked rubbish. 
what's the point? Exactly. I just don't think it just, improved just, just it. Show, just show me what happened in normally <laughs> in a video. Yeah. yeah. That's fair enough. Or Bedelia so, and Skinner recreating it in, in you know, Phoenix from the Flames. Yeah. That's fine. But, you know, don't make it into Lego. It's rubbish. Yeah. So I am a, a bit burnt out on Lego stuff at the minute. and I, um, So I, I didn't go into it in the most optimistic frame of mind, shall we say. So when I say I enjoyed it, it was surprisingly a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, all this talk about it being this genre-changing film is just going to create this this new era of animated films and it's the best thing since Toy Story. I just think, well, it's a bit overboard, isn't it? I mean, it was good as an animated film and yeah, okay, the, the plot, it was a, it was very complicated for what is essentially a young kids film. For the type of audience that it's aimed at, to have all these like Brave New World and 1984 type references in it, all this anti-utopian style. Um, but but, but well, on, on, on that side of the coin... The plot is still quite simple as well. It's yeah. these these are the good guys. There's the bad guy. They got to stop the bad guy. Mm. Yeah, uh, but it does at least put something in there to say, you know, yeah. why there is a good guy and why there is a bad guy and what well, makes them yeah. good and what makes them yeah. bad. So it's quite it's quite yeah. a bit better than your average kids film, which would just have the evil villain because he's got a beard and a stick mm-hmm. and he just steals princesses or whatever, you know. So yeah. there's. I appreciate that. I thought it was really good. Probably would have gone over the head of most of the, its audience. I think if it's aimed at younger members, at, at, of the audience, and I do think it's mostly aimed at those younger members, but with bits to appreciate as an adult. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it creates a story. It's quite good, quite interesting, but it's just the the, the reviews for, for me are just completely overboard, completely over the top in the praise that it's getting. It's a all right, Lord business. Yeah, well, you know, I do, I do agree though. The voice acting in it is fantastic. I yeah. really do. I mean, when you, I know you're saying the best Batman since um, Adam, <laughs> Adam West, West, but Will Arnett, he really just absolutely nails it. it, it his and voice it's, it's is a really perfect. nicely. Um, it, it is a, it poke it just nicely pokes fun at Batman exactly. as well. Not in a isn't Batman too, but just like wouldn't it be great if some if we actually had a live action Batman that was a bit like this? It's, just, yeah, great it's kind of when yeah. Batman starts playing metal music and says, "Cause I'm dark." Cause I'm an orphan. <laughs> yeah, and, and his own self titled song yeah. about being an orphan and stuff like that. That that and just the way fun. he's kind of treats Chris Pratt's character as well. It's just yeah, fantastic. Exactly, yeah. uh, it's great. And there's some aw- there are just, some of the cameos in there are fantastic. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's not just cameos from people; it's cameos from people playing Lego versions of themselves, which I think is just brilliant fun. Yeah. Um, and and Millhouse is in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yeah. But I really and, like Neeson's. I mean, we've already talked about it, but I really liked yeah. Liam Neeson. It's the bit where he's. Um, What's he say? Oh, Danny boy. He starts singing, oh, Danny yes. boy. I just <laughs> priest up laughing at that. That's just brilliant. <laughs> and, and, you know, you, you, you're inevitably going to get some kind of release the Kraken type moments as well. It's <laughs> really nice. Yeah. And no, I, like I say, I've, I've seen it twice. And the second time it actually improved for me. I, I, it's just for me, I think what it most reminded me of, and this will make sense to this will kind of make sense of why I love this film so much and why I'm being so potentially overboard in my praise. Actually, um, it really reminds me of that first of the reboot of the Muppets films. I, I just had so much fun in a cinema watching a film just appealing to absolutely everyone who came into that cinema. And I, I, I genuinely think that's a, that's such a difficult task and comedy gets overlooked sometimes. 
because it's seen as being really, you know, comedy films never do very well at award ceremonies because they're not seen as being worthy enough, which annoys me in itself. Um, uh, and the fact that, you know, for, for example, I, I still think Alpha Papa should have been nominated for loads of BAFTAs, but, you know, it's a comedy, so it doesn't get nominated because it's not as worthy as other films. And well, it's like, like uh, Golden Globes creating a whole separate category. Yeah. Them, you know, it's not exactly. real. It's just a comedy or musical. Like, oh, yeah. It's comedy and musicals. Yeah. Let's just give them. And and so I think com- people underestimate how difficult it is. to. And I think I honestly think in film terms, it's easier to manipulate someone into feeling sad for a character than it is to make them laugh character and also most comedies aim for a very specific audience and and if you fit into that audience brilliant borat is one of my favorite comedy films of all time it's certainly not aimed at kids it's not aimed at kind of middle age yeah it's aimed at a certain type of person who's going to like that comedy um spinal tap aimed at a certain type of person who's going to like that comedy and the, the real kind of timeless classics and for me I'm not saying this is there yet. I, I need to give it years to see that. But the timeless classics are things like potentially some like it hot. Um, uh, he actually is thinking back to Wayne's World and um, with Nell and I actually no, with Nell is not for kids and things like that. But the timeless classics are the ones that can actually make anyone who watches it laugh. Um, and I think that's probably why Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton still kind of hmm. stand to this day is because anyone who watches that can find some humor and it can find it funny and I, I, I just i just wish people would give comedies a little bit more credit and i think this film does an incredible thing in the fact that anyone who watches it will find it funny and that's a really difficult thing to do basically, yeah um, basically you want people to take comedy seriously yes <laughs> when you put it like that steve but I mean, it's it's funny, but it is. This is me being cynical again, going back to being my miserable bastard self. It is, it oh, is just a big long advert, though, isn't it? It's when I'm gonna have another argument with well, you, isn't well, it? Yeah. It, it is, and it isn't. I mean, a film called The Lego Movie, with with characters made of Lego and everything made of Lego, is probably gonna make people, if they like the film, want to go and buy some Lego. But there's there's no there's no real part of the film. There's one small part of the film where they're kind of joking about it at the same time. Oh, where they, where they actually directly kind of advertise something. Other than that, they're not really going, oh, this is Lego Millennium Falcon, buy this. this you know, it's just kind of... I'm, I'm with Steve. I think it's the lack of cynicism. They're not going, please go out and buy loads of Lego. They're going, do you know what? We know you love to buy Lego. Here's a great film about how much fun Lego is. And to me, that's, that's a slightly different thing to say. Um, last year's Skyfall, where James Bond decided to drink a Heineken for the first time in his life ever, and it felt really out of place. Or um, what the Walter Mitty film, which I, I really enjoyed, but the amount of mm. plugs for Papa John's Pizza, or um, I can't even remember that dating website, which just goes to show how useless it was to actually have product placement. Or, or Wayne's World, where they advertise. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, unrested development. It's yeah. Yes. Yeah. When uh, he takes them to Burger King, that's awesome. Um, But for me, uh, it was. Well, again, and maybe this is because I'm I'm already a big fan of Lego. Um, Going uh, 90 minutes of saying how awesome Lego is is like saying 90 minutes saying how awesome breathing is or how awesome water is. Of course, Lego's awesome. Of course, you're going to want to buy Lego after this because it's awesome. That's that's at the same time, though, it's, you know, if there was no intention to sell more Lego because of this movie, they wouldn't have 
made it. They oh, wouldn't no, have made it about anything else. Well, well, yeah, of course there is. But Empire Strikes Back would have had that. Did you ever feel like they were trying to sell you Lego while you were watching the film? Yeah, a couple times. Yeah. I honestly just thought they were trying to make me laugh. And you know what? If you wanted to buy Lego afterwards. Then go and buy Lego because it's awesome. That, but maybe but that's the, because bit, Owen hates Lego. We can't Owen be... hates Star Wars. He hates I ha- Die Hard. Die Hard, <laughs> Lego, Star Wars. What else are we going to put on there by the time this podcast podcast finishes? No, but there's a, there's definitely definitely a point towards the end of the film, which I'm not going to say what it is, but it's just it's marketing more than a film. We can talk All about right. it after the podcast finishes, so it's not okay, to spoil anyone. Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I never, I personally never got that feeling at all. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe because I'd already, maybe because I'd really bought into the film, maybe I didn't, maybe Perhaps. I was just never gonna feel that, or maybe I've been brainwashed. <laughs> maybe, maybe the advertising was so good, I didn't even realise I've been advertised to. Maybe mm. that's the case. I don't know. It, for me, it was just, a, it was a very clever, very well written, well acted as well, well voice acted, funny advert. And, okay. <laughs> right. Let's <laughs> just because they've got 22 Jump Street coming out later this year as well. I, I think they're genuinely, the, the, probably at the moment, the most exciting writing, writing partnership in Hollywood at the moment, and I can't wait to see more from them. Let's just move on before we upset Owen even more. <laughs> uh, we've, got, we've got two more films to, to review in this part, although we'll only be brief. Uh, mm. First, James went to see Monuments Men starring uh, George Clooney, Matt Damon, Bill Murray, John Goodman, and others. Yes. Um, Okay, yeah, basically, uh, George Clooney uh, is based on a true story. Um, It's kind of very, very different from the true story, though, uh, about a unit during the Second World War whose job it is to go into the war zone and to protect all the great antiquities. Isn't isn't it it basically Hitler has has obviously while he's invading Europe gone and robbed and pillaged Stolen. all the art, all the, the art. Cult, you know, from wherever he's invaded and now it looks like he's on his last legs, so he's gonna destroy it all. Basically, yeah. yeah. That that that's the film and that's so your history George, lesson done. George Clooney <laughs> puts together a team with differing skills and uh he might be getting a, a kind of might be getting a feel for a certain casino film here. So here here goes my awesome one line puntastic review. Is, hang on, hang uh, on. Is there a scene where he puts? Where is there a scene where he puts the gang together? Or a, there is, yeah. yeah, yeah, there is. And that's why I'm going to that's why I'm going to describe this film as going through the motions. Eleven, boom, nailed it because it's not a very good film. That's why it's going through the motions. Did you get it? Oceans Eleven. Yeah. Going through the motions. Seriously, that is that took me ages. I'm getting nothing. It doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't show. Wow. <laughs> Going through the motions eleven. Le- it's brilliant. Leave, leave the jokes to me. <laughs> it's your favourite right. pun, that isn't it? What did you have yeah, so Pacific proud. Oceans eleven? Yeah, Pacific. Yeah, I did, basically. <laughs> I, I had noticed that myself. <laughs> this is better than that okay. because it's just so laboured. It's it's <laughs> it, 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 oh, But and the the thing is, who would have believed that a film with John Goodman, Bill Murray, and Bob Balaban wouldn't be funny? I, it's seriously that I, I don't think because Clooney directed this and I don't think the problem is the direction as such. It's it's decent enough direction. Um, he, he's he's a competent director, I think. I've not seen anything particularly special from Clooney yet. I enjoyed Ides of March, but it wasn't special. Um, 
I enjoyed Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, but that was mainly because Sam Rockwell was so fantastic in it. Um, the problem with this film is the script, which is all over the place. Can't find its tone at all. It kind of, it half the time it feels like it wants to be a World War Two caper, like The Great Escape or um, uh, The Dirty Dozen or something like that. And then the other half of the time it feels like it wants to do it, you know, tell a very serious story about how um, and it keeps really hammering home this point is a man's life worth the price of a piece of art kind of thing. You know, can, if a man gives up his life to save a piece of art, is that a worthwhile trade and things like that? And the problem is the, the film pulls out of anything too funny. It could it could be a heck of a lot funny. It's not very funny at all. It try, there's a few amusing moments, but I think it's trying to pay too much reverence to the Second World War and doesn't want to offend people there. But then it doesn't do a very dark film either. Um, uh, it's also it's less than two hours long and still feels almost an hour too long because there are just scenes chucked in there for no reason. It's a bit of a mess of an edit. Um, and I think my last point that i'd say about it i really can't recommend this film it's very boring there's no drama whatsoever all i'll say characters die and you kind of see it coming and you don't really care and it's that shouldn't be the case with a film like this um so look it's based on a true story but if you're going to hollywoodize a true story you even need to commit to it or not um because the true story actually was about 400 men and women who worked in the unit and spent a lot of time doing that. And there's, I'm sure there's some very interesting stories within those. But this seemed to kind of hint at the fact that now it's just these six guys who go around saving, you know, 500 million quid's worth of art and stuff like that. But if, but um, they don't properly go Hollywood with it. There's no amazing action sequences. There's there's Kate Blanchett plays a potential love interest in it but isn't really and ends up not going on yeah if you're going to properly hollywoodize it make up an excuse for her to go on you know go out with the gang and try and rescue this art and stuff like that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna lie then lie well basically so (laughs) i think my final point would be either make a really ultra realistic band of brothers style um film about what this was really about or make Inglorious Bastards, which is a load of nonsense but entertaining. This falls really in between the two, and for that reason, it's pointless. There we go. Uh, film I watched uh, was Cuban Fury, starring Nick Frost, uh, not with Simon Pegg or Edgar Wright this time, on his own. Not on his own, of course. He's with Rashida Jones, Chris O'Dowd, and the one from peep show whose name i can't remember olivia coleman olivia coleman one. and um lovejoy's in it as well isn't it yes he is <laughs> and, and he plays a uh he was a salsa dancing prodigy at school got bullied out of it by big bad bullies who told him salsa dancing was rubbish then he gets back into it because it turns out some attractive woman at work uh, who's new at work played by rashida jones just likes salsa dancing so he decides to get back into it and it is fine as a film. <laughs> it is it yeah. is not the best comedy you'll ever see, and it's certainly not the worst. There's plenty of bits that make you laugh, but you're not going to be sort of laughing the whole way through. The characters are are nice, but they're not exactly memorable. Um, they're you know they're likable. It's kind of um, who was his name? 
Kovan, someone from Phone Jacker. I can't remember his surname. Yeah. He, and from Four Lions. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I can't remember his surname, but he pretty much steals every scene he's in, playing like an incredibly camp dancer. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's probably the best, best, per, you know, character, not best character, but best, best performance in it. He's extremely yeah. funny, but, you know, it, it's, it's kind of what you probably call an ideal date movie. Yeah. Is it Nick Frost's version of Run Fat Boy Run? Uh, I don't know. I've not seen Run Fat Boy Run. Okay. So I, I, but just a kind of like pretty forgettable, but all right. Yeah, it's it's not rom com. It's, it's not it's, yeah. it's not bad. It's pretty inoffensive. It's pretty by the books. But you know, there's enough laughs in it to make it worth watching. But you're you're are, not going to be. In... Are all the are all the laughs about Fat Man Dancing? Not really. No, it's it's a bit it's okay. a bit better than that. To be honest, okay. it's, it's it is it is better than that. I do, I do like the cast. I'll be honest. I do like Chris O'Dowd. Um, I do like Nick Frost. I think Nick Frost is a likable. It, it's quite it's strange seeing him as the the leading man rather than mm. the yeah. the secondary character. Yeah. Although I, I kind of, I, I think I saw a bit of that in uh, the World's End. I think although he wasn't technically, you know, joint lead, but he he came he kind of stepped up in the world's end compared to hot fuzz and Shaun of the dead where he was very much a secondary character he was, he was comic foil in those wasn't he yeah exactly whereas he actually had a bit of drama and he had he had more to do with his character in that so I, i'm glad to see it because I, I do like him um i do like rashida jones as well um so i mean like i say you'll, yeah. you'll watch it again i'll you'll, probably watch it on netflix yeah, like say, if you watch it when it comes on the telly or on onto netflix you won't particularly spend any money on it to go and see it again, and it, it 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 could it could you know film films could like that could always be funnier and maybe a bit more challenging in terms of the, the humour, but it's fine. It's it's not going to offend anyone, and it is perfectly enjoyable, but but at the same time pretty forgettable. Robbie Collins, the film critic at the, mm. the Telegraph, was he? Yeah. yeah, Telegraph described it as the worst British film he's seen since the UK Film Council closed. So I'm just putting that out there, whether people will agree with Wow. Yeah, he, he was not a fan. Yeah, but I mean, some people just take things too far, like with your review of Lego Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which you uh, you only liked the Lego Movie, Owen. Yeah. That's disgraceful. <laughs> you, said, you said it was the most likeable film you've seen since the British Film Council show. <laughs> uh, anyway... Yeah, so that, that brings to the close. first part of our uh, new release reviews. The second part brings Dallas Buyers Club, her, and the new Robocop. Part two, then, for, for new releases. Uh, Robocop, seen by Owen, not strictly speaking a, a new release. It's been out for a little while, but we haven't had a chance to review it. So, Owen, here's your chance. Yeah, well, like yeah, like you've just said, it's, it's not a new release. I think it came out on the 7th of February, but it's still sort of in theatres at the moment, in cinemas at the moment. Um, yeah, so uh, it's directed by a guy called Jose, or Jose Padilla. I think it's Jose because he's Brazilian. So I think they say the J. I don't know. I, I think Padilla. you're right. Yeah. So he um, <laughs> he's known mainly for Elite Squad. He did the Elite Squad and Elite Squad, The Enemy Within, its sequel which are very, like, harsh, gritty films about the the BOPE in, uh, or BOPA, BOPA, is it? Uh, the uh, private police they've got, anyway, yeah. in Brazil. Um, and that's a really, like, 
I want to say satire, but it's it's not as subtle as satire because it's literally showing you the horrendous things that these these real police get up to. So when you think it's this guy directing RoboCop, you kind of I mean those two those two films as well by the way, absolutely, completely and utterly the, the absolute 18 rated films that, that mm. it's possible to be. Um, so RoboCop, you kind of expect it to be just as uh, brutal. Uh, and then you look at the film rating, it's got the film certificate, and it's a 12A, and you kind of have to think, hmm, how how violent can this be? Even the original Paul Verhoeven Robocop is an 18, and justifiably mm. so. Um, yeah. That is definitely an 18 as well. So you've got this, this ultra-violent 80s film mixed with the director known for these absolutely horrendous, horrendously violent films. Um put into a 12a remake and it just seems a bit strange i don't think they've done the maths on that one but anyway so he he basically tells the story of uh, a cop called alex murphy who's played by joel kinnaman who uh, is not really that famous i don't think i think he's done some some tv stuff but he's a swedish actor um and he he does was he in the american killing possibly I think he was, yeah. I think he's, he's in, done... he was in the first series of the US, The Killing. I don't know about the second one. I've not seen it. Right, okay. Well, I've only seen the Danish version of that, mm. and he's not in that one. But um, <laughs> So he, he was pretty good, I guess. Um, better when he was playing Robocop than when he was playing Alex Murphy, which I'm going to come on to in a minute, because have, have either of you seen the original? I've seen the original, and I love it. Yeah, it's great. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah. I've not seen any of the sequels, though. Okay, so you know I've seen the original, I've seen the two film sequels, and I've seen the four made-for-TV movies that sort of follow it. I bet it. they were good. <laughs> they're, they're mixed, they're mixed. They're not bad. Yeah. They're getting too distracted. The, the made-for-TV yeah, movies are, they were made after the TV series, so the TV series was okay. a U. That was a U certificate for the TV series. Wow. Yeah, and then they made these... Um, TV movies that are supposed to make it darker again. I think they were released in 2000, okay. 1999, 2000, something like oh, that. Right. So they they were darker, but, you know. Anyway, so this is, you kind of step backwards from that, if you like, because the, the, they tried to make it darker and then they rebooted the series and it's not quite as dark. Although, when I say it's not as dark, what I mean is it's not ultra-violent. Okay? Right. So there's no blood splatter, really. Um People get shot, but instead of shot with bullets, they're shot with like a stun gun. It's like a taser that Robocop right. has. He does have machine guns, but he only shoots other machines with the machine guns. Um, it, so, you know, it loses that aspect to it. But there are some mm. scenes in this which really are quite traumatising. <laughs> There's, um, you know, the whole story of Robocop is he's a good cop. He's um, killed by some bad guys because uh, they don't like him. Pretty much, he investigates the wrong people and they get revenge on him. They blow him up and he's pieced back together as part of a new initiative which is set up to try and create a um, sort of, you know, like the, the main topic, I suppose, in the news is about drones and about how you can't have robots policing people. How mm. can you have law enforced by things that aren't humans? So it kind of plays on that in that the, the central premise is this in... Um, I forget where it is. I think it's like Afghanistan, they say, or, or Iraq or something like that. They've got these robot policemen 
and they're working for the military and they're keeping order in the streets. But there's a um, there's a bill or declaration or something that means that they can't have these in America. So the premise is, how do they convince Americans to accept robot police? And the way they try to do that is by saying, well, we'll put a person in the machine. So the original film is all about a machine that has human parts in it. This is about a person who's put in a machine. Right. So it's it's trying to keep a similar sort of theme going. And the way that he's referred to, Alex Murphy, as Robocop, the way he's referred to is always as a machine with a human uh, components, if you like, mm. some bi- uh, bionic parts. But actually, that's never convincing in this film. You always know that it's a person in a machine, um, which kind of, I don't know, some people might like that. I didn't think it was particularly clever. But it's, it's just a different way of, of looking at it. It's kind of hard not to compare it to the original. But if you do try and see it as something other than uh, a remake of that Robocop, if you see it as a new story about the time that it's set in now, because one of the things the original was great at was being a, a very self-aware satire. It knew exactly what decade it was made in yeah. and what was going on in the 80s. And it just absolutely ripped it to pieces. This is trying to do a similar sort of thing in a much more serious way. Uh, not that the original Robocop's not serious, but it does it in a very um, straightforward, humorless manner. Uh, loses some of the cheese from, you know, which isn't really appropriate in a film like this it, it, for what it's doing about modern times, which is fine. I think that works for it. But it, it's just, it could have been better. It was a good sci-fi action film. Perhaps not as good as it could have been with some very good performance. Yeah, well, I'll just quickly mention the performances. I realise I'm waffling a little bit now, but Gary Oldman is fantastic. He plays the doctor who puts Robocop together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely steals the show. Every scene is in. Oh, brilliant. I'm really, doesn't surprise me, yeah. really. Yeah, it's just he's, he's brilliant in it. And Michael Keaton. That's good because I was a bit concerned about um, him in the new, uh, the new Planet of the Apes film. Uh, is it Dawn of the Planet mm, of the Apes? Because he's he's basically going to be one of the leads in that, isn't he? And I was a bit, is he just taking an easy role here? But if he's if he's stealing the show in this, which by all accounts isn't a great film, then that gives me a lot of hope for yeah. him in Dawn of the Planet of the That's Apes. Right. I mean, Michael Keaton's good as well in this, by the way. But he just has a very nice to see him back. Yeah, nice to see Michael Keaton back. It, it is, yeah, it is. But he has a very weak character to work with. Um, in fact, that's the main problem with this film is that there's no proper villain to it. There's no real right. The guy who blows him up is just like a peripheral character. You get no information on him um, other than, you know, he's a bad guy. So expect him to be a bad guy. We were talking about in the Lego movie and stuff, mm. you know, and the characters were all quite <laughs> well written. In this, it's not. It's mm. just a bad guy because he's supposed to be a bad guy. Right. Think, right. OK, well, fine. Whereas the uh, the villain, well, the, you know, the guy who kills uh, Murphy in the original RoboCop is, yeah, the, he's the horrible creation. He's a proper kind of yeah. villain you can get behind hating, but yeah. also is entertaining on screen as well, yeah. which is a, a a nice balance. Um, has RoboCop got a a female kind of side partner in this nope. or? Nope. Oh, it's played by Omar right. from uh, The Wire. What's his name? Mi- right. Michael Williams, okay. I think. Mm. Yeah, there's um his wife is in it though a bit more than I think the original. Right. Okay. In the original, because in the original I'm pretty sure they don't realise it's Murphy. 
Mm. Um, whereas in this, it's Murphy. It's advertised yeah. as Murphy, and this is Murphy right. being turned into a cop and isn't he a hero? So, right, I see. Slightly different way of doing it, I guess. But yeah, I mean, if there is a villain to the to the film, the villain is police corruption, which doesn't surprise oh. me given, yeah. you know, who the director yeah. is. So, yeah, it could have done with a face for that villainy, a mm. real sort of horrible face who Robocop defeats, but maybe I'm just being picky. <laughs> but yeah, okay. decent act, decent sci-fi action film overall, but not okay. not going to wear you. Okay, next up is Her, starring Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Here's a clip. What about you, Theodore? What do you love most about Samantha? Oh, God. She's so many things. I guess that's what I love most about her. You know, she isn't just one thing. She's so much larger than that. Oh, thanks, Theodore. See, Samantha, he is so much more evolved than I am. <laughs> you know what's interesting? I used to be so worried about not having a body, but now I, I truly love it. I'm growing in a way that I couldn't if I had a physical form. I mean, I'm not limited. I can be anywhere and everywhere simultaneously. I'm not tethered to time and space in a way that I would be if I was stuck in a body that's inevitably going to die. Yikes. No. <laughs> no, no. I didn't mean it like that. I just meant that it was a different experience. No, 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 Samantha, we know exactly what you mean. We're all dumb humans. No. <laughs> no, no. Is it Joaquin? I always think I'll just do it like the Spanish footballer. I'll, I'll just do it Joaquin. Joaquin I'll just do it like yeah. the Spanish footballer. And... Yeah, <laughs> I think that works. I think that works. Um, yes, he plays a uh, divorced man who um, is a bit lonely and withdrawn, I suppose, um, but still likable, and gets a new operating system. It's set in the near future, I think, um, and technology has evolved as such. Whereas, whereas your operating system for your computer, tablet smartphone whatever can be tailored to around your personality um and that is voiced by scarlett johansson um james what did you think of this yeah i was excited by this film because i i love films set in the not too distant future that's my favorite kind of <laughs> science fiction that kind of recognizable where it feels like our world but there's a few key differences um so i was very excited about it and also just because i like uh spike jones did being John Malkovich, which I love, and Adaptation, which I saw recently and adored. But I wasn't so keen on Where the Wild Things Are. That was rubbish. I'll just jump straight yeah. in there. That was a really yeah, crap film. Very, yeah, and no, I was being a bit generous there by saying not so keen. It was terrible. Um, and and this, uh, you know, those first two films were based on a Charlie Kaufman script. This is the first film that Spike Jones has written and directed himself. And oh, I would say... There's a lot of great elements to this film, but it just doesn't come together for me, and I wasn't a huge fan of it. I'll be honest. I thought it was, I thought it was really good, very interesting, to you know, excellent central performances, especially, yeah, especially, can't, can't disagree especially with that. as you don't actually see one of them ever. Yeah, um, and also which, Scarlett Johansson came in and re-recorded that all that in post-production which, because she wasn't there on set. I mean, people do voice acting all the time now, which is essentially what Scarlett Johansson was, was doing, even though it was excellent and amazing, and it wasn't obviously an animated film like most voice acting is. But it must have been quite difficult for, for Phoenix because he's got no one to react with or to. 
And I know that happens a lot now with green screen and everything like that in, in kind of big budget movies now where everything CGI, well, apparently... everything CGI. But, you know, if this is a very intimate story between two mm. people. It's not a big budget sci-fi film. No. You know, so it's just between these two people. And it's very emotional or, you know, it's meant to be very emotional and the story and the plot and the dialogue and everything. And he's got no one to react with or off of. And he and he's in every scene as well. Yeah, he's in every scene of yeah. the film, which is difficult. Yeah, and no, I think he's brilliant. In a way, completely different film, but in a way, it reminded me of The Master actually, um, which starred Joaquin Phoenix in a brilliant role. Also, uh, also Amy Adams as well. So again, this is why I think that's why it reminded me. But ultimately. I just got a bit bored by that film. And I'll be honest, I got a little bit bored by this film at times. I, I don't um, think I was ever really bored by it. I think it kept kept it interesting enough because it is essentially a, a relationship between two people and how it progresses. Mm. Even, but the, but the, obviously the twist is one of them is... She's artificial intelligence. Is, 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 a, is yeah. a computer who becomes sentient and destroys everything. No, she doesn't destroy yeah. everything, of course, no. no, but, no. You know, um, yeah. It's not Terminator no. 2. Um, it's not Skynet. But no, what I think not, is um, not yet. Yeah. That's a sequel. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Uh, Hiking Phoenix, Scarlett Johansson, brilliant. Because um, Samantha Morton played the OS originally, and which is why it's called Samantha in the film. And she was apparently on set a lot with Joaquin Phoenix. You know, kind of. So she, he did. Kind of, he worked with her, and it's really interesting that um, the chemistry between the two. Is brilliant considering that Scarlett Johansson is just a voice and she recorded hers completely separately to the filming of the film. That works really, really well. I'd also say that <clears throat> the concept itself is really very well realised and I loved the production design. Uh, I love the world that Spike Jones created that. I think that worked really, really well. Um, my problems were some. there were some really good actors who didn't have too much to do here. Amy Adams, Rooney Mara and Chris Pratt. Um, three people who I really like usually and who were good in this but didn't have too much to do and yeah I just I for me it despite the fact again it was it was over two hours and the story itself it I don't only, think justified that a, kind of length okay yeah just a tad two over two hours but even then I felt it was a bit long um a few bits the kind of ending was a little bit telegraphed for me and uh, like I said I loved bits of it just as a, a film it didn't come together as a whole for I, me. I, and, uh... I kind of liked the end. I mean, without spoiling it for people, it's mm. kind of the way these films tend to go because it was a, ro- yeah. it's a it's a romance essentially. The way these films kind of go, it didn't go. No, it, no, no. You know, I, I thought that was good and different, and you know, what what I'd say because in a way, it kind of the the actual setup a little bit reminds me a bit of um, Blue Valentine. Um, but with a man and a computer. But I was I was absolutely hooked into that story, and I, I just wasn't I wasn't particularly hooked in. I liked bits of it. Bits of it looked pretty and shiny, rather than actually getting to me on a emotional level. Um, and the other thing as well is it looked like it had been filmed entirely with Instagram, and that annoyed me a <laughs> yeah, little bit. Yeah, there was a little bit of bit of uh, filter to it wasn't there yeah everything looked a bit beige and a bit it looked apparently everyone in the future dresses like a hipster which kind of got to me after a little while I didn't didn't really understand his job in the film I mean that's one of the things I did like I knew knew he was was writing letters from one person to another 
I didn't really get why. Like they, they, they paid they paid the website so to they can't, create handwritten they, letters. They can't communicate properly. Yeah, so they get someone to write handwritten, and that's 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 not a spoiler because that's like the very first scene of the film. Yeah, it's not really important. It's it's and and you know that's a really interesting idea, and it buys into this theme of the fact that people can't people don't communicate anymore. Um, and so during the film, hardly anyone talks to each other. They mostly talk through like screens and things like that. And and I get it. I really get it. Is it Chris Pratt in it who plays plays Blackwing Phoenix's friend? Yeah. He, I mean, he's only in it for a couple of scenes, but he's he's really good at continuing his kind of yeah, up, oh yeah, up, definitely up surge, even though he's only in sort of a few scenes. He's well, Guardians of the Galaxy trailer is out tonight at some mm-hmm. point, so that's yeah, I'm very very excited about that. So Chris Pratt doing some brilliant stuff at the moment, um, and I'm I'm really pleased for him. I say I just, I wanted this film to be better than it was. I think that was the main issue for me. Uh, next film we've got is Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, starring Matthew McConaughey as um, a AIDS, I don't know what you'd call them. I, I suppose victim is something you really wouldn't want to call them, or they wouldn't want to be called sufferer. Uh, yeah. If in the in the 1980s, who go yep. out trying to um, to deal with the disease. Uh, here's a clip. Walker, Dorset, Blum, Newsom, Jeff Coat. These are patients? Yes, sir. They're also the names of players on the Dallas Cowboys. No. That's a hell of a coincidence, isn't it? Isn't this a little ridiculous? You said it. Can you prove these are patients? Can you prove they're not? Uh, the film also stars Jared Leto as Rayon, um, a transsexual or transvestite, whichever they might be. I don't know the difference. Um, but, you know, anyway, that's just, that's just my own... <laughs> Old metrosexual Steve. That's just, that's, just, that's just my own ignorance to the subject. Yeah. But, you know, and Jennifer Garner as well. And, Jennifer you know, Garner. And again, like we mentioned with her, the central performances in this film are fantastic. Uh, the reconnaissance continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's well. Uh, well, as me and Owen have predicted um, identically, we think uh, both McConaughey and Leto are going to pick up the the actor and supporting actor um, awards at the Oscars. And uh, yeah, just to let everyone know, uh, we might feel like we're retreading stuff here because we did review this last week in the abandoned podcast. And I think the main thing that came out of that and. Um, Again, this has already been out in the cinemas a little while, so we won't spend too long on it. But I think overall, in this is a, a good film. It is a good film. It's a well-made film, but it's elevated due to those two central performances. Yeah, yeah the, the absolutely. Two, the two of them are award-worthy. Yeah. yeah, and it's not just the fact that Matthew McConaughey lost forty pounds or whatever he lost to play this role, and he does look really gaunt at times. Uh, you know, there's a there's an incredible physical transformation there, but actually he's playing quite a conflicted role, uh, and it's a difficult role to carry off and make likable. Make likable because the the thing at the beginning is he's he's a cowboy kind of hustler, racist, um, homophobic, red, racist, red, homophobe. Who finds out that he's got AIDS, and We're, AIDS is of course the the disease of gay people. Well, I mean, this film this film is set in the 80s, so yeah, you know. exactly. Which well, isn't made clear uh, by the trailer, really. It could be set that you look at the trailer, but you know, 
it's kind of in yeah in the southern states of america it's a little bit of a timeless place yeah there isn't it let's be honest but no it's, it's um, set in the 80s so back in the 80s obviously aids hiv was considered mm. a disease for or received or suffered by gay people yeah um so he's obviously thinking when he first gets diagnosed with it how have i got this the doctor's yeah. calling me gay basically yeah by telling despite the this... fact that he's had unprotected sex and taken drugs for yeah. a number of years and he and yeah he kind of wises up to that and then um the doctors give him 30 days to live and he decides to prove them wrong right. uh, nothing Nothing. Else. yeah ron, ron woodworth in 30 days and uh and so then it becomes uh an interesting film in terms of what he does uh and it apparently again another story based on a true uh true life another film based on a true life story um i think people who have spoken about the real ron woodruff have said charitably that he was a bit of a rogue they're not saying that he was a saint that he was a perfect man and i don't think the film aims to kind of eulogize him in that way either he has his faults um but at the same time what you can't take away is that he made a huge difference to hundreds of people's lives and i think that's what the film tries to explore and i think for me the first half of the film is where the film's at its best where you're exploring the character of ron who he is why he's doing what he's doing how he's going to deal with this and this inner conflict the second half of the film becomes a little bit it just becomes a little bit procedural for me and uh, episodic and goes from one plot point to another without fully explaining for me why what what's going on yeah i would agree with that i think as you say the the second half of the film it just it loses a bit of um impact and mm. the, the the story it, it 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 kind of forgets what it's trying to do it's so you, part, you, you in in some ways it kind of slows down and in parts becomes less about um uh, mcconaughey and leto's characters and more about kind of the the the, the fight again not the fight against AIDS but the kind of battle against legalizing or allowing certain certain medication and all that kind of stuff it kind of becomes more about that uh, towards the end but then there's no there's no depth to that part of the 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 film though no but it seems to concentrate more on that rather than on Mm. McConaughey and Leto's characters which is what the film is or should be mainly about that's what it is at its best and there's there's a bit of a caper-esque uh, element to it and that's quite fun actually for a bit i've got no problem with uh you know mcconaughey going out drug smuggling and trying on different disguises and stuff like that that i've got i've got not a huge problem with that it's just i think I, I, the problem is it's based on a true life story and there's only so many um liberties you can take with that story and actually th- i think for me the main issue with the film like i say it's a good film and i enjoyed it but the main issue with the narrative is um the real life narrative isn't very cinematic it's not it's not a traditional three-act story mm-hmm. um there's not a massive denouement at the end um it kind of you get there and you go well that's the end and that's an, that's an interesting story and parts of it would have felt would i felt would have been better as a documentary rather than as a dramatic story. i, th- I think if it had just focused on uh ron himself and the people around him i think it would have just been a tighter film yeah would have been very difficult to make it as a documentary yeah it also would have been really difficult to make yeah exactly and uh you know i'm I'm not saying that 
that would have necessarily been better. I, I just think, yeah, this film as it is has some flaws, but it, it's definitely worth watching for the for the performances. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, well, I think that um, ends all of our uh, new new release reviews. I don't think you're going to hear that many in one podcast for us for a long time. Goodness no. Uh, <laughs> so we've, we've haven't got long left, so we'll have one more quick break, and we'll be back with some uh, recommendations. Uh, for the week or so ahead we'll be answering some of your questions on our 100th podcast and we have uh, also got a little look ahead to what's happening with james at the glasgow film festival Right then, uh, recommendations for the next week or so. I'm going to kick us off with film, uh, sorry, E4 on Friday night, 9 o'clock, the Sean William Scott and Paul Rudd comedy role models. Oh, I like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, nice choice. Uh, Owen? Uh, I'm going to go for a film I can't pronounce, but it's also on Friday night at 11.05 on BBC2. Synecdoche, New York. Oh, is that on TV? Yeah, BBC Two on Friday. Okay. Oh, oh, my TV aerial has been blown off in the storm. Oh, uh, it'll be on iPlayer. But it's um, yeah, yeah. Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, directed by Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, it's Charlie Kaufman's first film yeah. as a director. Yeah. yeah. So there's um, yeah, you know, it's obviously being put on because of of mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman. But you know, that's a good thing. It's I can't yeah. even begin to describe the film itself or give you a review because it's just completely bizarre. Um, still, I watched it last week and I'm still trying to figure out what I actually thought about it. But it's just one of those films that you, you, it's, you, if you watch it, you'll understand why and then you can form your own opinion because it's just, it's worth seeing at least. Yes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, my recommendation this week is on Netflix UK and I watched the first half of it yesterday and then I started falling asleep because I'm old. Um, old and gout ridden um, but uh, it's called The Square and it's um, a Netflix original it's the first Netflix original documentary to uh, get an Oscar nomination it's been Oscar nominated for best documentary at this year's Oscars um, and it's also the first um, Oscar nominated film that was made partly using crowdsourcing from Kickstarter as well and it's a documentary about the Arab Spring uh, particularly in Egypt and it's about Tahir Square and it's made by Egyptian filmmakers starring Egyptian people filmed at the time of the Arab Spring and it's a really really interesting insight into what happened there because I'll be honest I watch the news and I still don't quite know what was happening and who was who and what was what so um yeah, I recommended a kind of current affairs-ish documentary last week, and I'm doing the same again, I'm afraid. So that's The Square on Netflix UK, and I think probably on pretty much every region of Netflix, because it is a Netflix original. Uh, you've just reminded me as well. I know it's a bit cheeky, because we normally don't pick anything off Sky, we just yeah. go for freeview. But on Sky Atlantic on Saturday, uh, 20 past 10, is The Act of Killing. Again? Yes. They, they showed it. Oh, okay. they, it was on last week. Yeah. I think they, they had it on there a few months ago anyway yeah but it's yeah repeated on saturday so my film of the year last year yeah and just another d- oscar nominated documentary yeah pick we both picked it and um, uh, did steve yeah. did you pick it as well steve best documentary gonna win at the oscars um i think he did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's it's gonna win isn't it i think so 
Okay, uh, so some questions then from our listeners. Yes, okay, so uh, Paul Fisher at Stake Heed, uh, he asked us who would play us in the film of our life, which is a nice callback to our very first episode, which I think was how I got us to introduce ourselves in that first episode. So who would play you in the film of your life? Um, well, I would have, you know, done everything within my power to get Jean-Claude Van Damme to play me. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen and probably not appropriate. I, I asked my wife this question. I said, if someone was going to play me in a film, who do you think would play me? And she sort of shrugged and said, Michael Cera, which I didn't know how to respond. I thought that's kind of is it an insult or is that a compliment? I don't know, because he's, he's quite cool in a geeky sort of way, I think. Just like you. Just like me, yeah. Uh, <laughs> don't know about that. But, yeah, so I guess that's kind of my default answer. Who's playing you, James? Um, it, I remember my my first answer was um, Ron Howard's brother, uh, who's in all of Ron Howard's films. Cause I... Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Because I'm such a hipster. Was, was, he, uh, was but, he in Rush? Uh, yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, he's in every single one of Ron Howard's films. A tiny bit in the background. Uh, but actually, no, my answer is going to be Matthew McConaughey because not only have I come completely about turn on that man during the course of this podcast, but I think I'd look awesome in a cowboy hat. So, um, <laughs> and and wouldn't you just love me? Wouldn't you just love a Texas drawl on this podcast as well? Uh, I'm not even going to try and attempt it. So yeah, that's the one I'm going for, Matthew McConaughey. And I'm so damn good looking as well, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to go with Danny Dyer because I'm proper naughty. You are? Yes. No, seriously, it's either going to be Nick Frost or Resurrect John Candy. <laughs> Just zombie John Candy. <laughs> yeah, fine. CGI'd, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then we also, ha- let's have a quick look, um, had uh, Lost Bandidos who asked who is the best looking uh, and and I think we all agree we don't need to answer that because we all know the answer to that one. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just going to say that I'm just going to say for any females listening, I'm the only single one on this podcast. <laughs> Whatever. Sing for a reason. Yeah. <laughs> Can't tie me down. <laughs> um, but he also said his real one was uh, Desert Island, one and only film. So not your favourite film or best film, but the one you could never get bored of, Steve. Mine is because I can't pick a trilogy because of these rules we've made up yep. or a series or whatever so I'm going for just Die Hard Die Hard 1 on its own okay. nice Owen similar sort of theme I'm going for uh, an action film John McTiernan I've gone for Predator because it's oh. just a film you could just watch over and over again well hang on yeah, should I not pick Castaway as kind of a, a manual on how to get off this island might get a bit too meta and send you mental <laughs> yeah maybe could go one of either way, yeah. Steve. It's totally up to you. I'm, oh, I'm really struggling here. I'm probably, oh, 
is Amelie or Spinal Tap. And I'm going to go Spinal Tap just because I'd have some music then as well, uh, which is good. So, um, yeah. Uh, no no one's spinal... put a restriction on the music you can take. You can take as much as you want. Oh, oh, Jesus. Now you tell me. Uh, Dad, <laughs> I'm, I'm loaded up with a massive iPod. Uh, and but you finally, can only take Dave... Sony Walkman. Uh, Dave McFarland, yeah, um, from uh, the Glasgow Film Festival podcast last year, uh, asked, uh, why do I cheat at Trivial Pursuit? And I'll uh, just give you the answer now. It's because he is a bastard at magnetic fishing. So that's why I treated, uh, cheat at Trivial Pursuit. I'm, I'm just saying now, if you had to cheat at Trivial Pursuit to beat him, then... I really didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I got answers. In Dave's mind, knowing the answers is cheating. Um, In Dave's mind, knowing anything... Is Dave's, yeah. mind, is Dave's mind breathing through your nose is cheating. Yeah, and and he'll be on next. Uh, that leads us quite nicely into next week. <laughs> yes, next week. What's happening? Because it's, it's all down to you. So. Yeah, next week I'm going to be at I'm going to be live at Glasgow Film Festival. I'm going to be talking to various people. I'm going to be no, talking. No, yes no one again. famous because they won't let you. Uh, shut up. <laughs> I'm going to try and doorstep Terry Gilliam. Uh, while I'm there, I'm going to see the new Terry Gilliam film, The Zero Theorem. Going to see uh, a few films I'm very excited about: 20 Feet from Stardom, the Oscar-nominated documentary, the new film from Richard Iodi, The Double, um, Mood Indigo, the new Michelle Gondry film, and the surprise film, which I've convinced myself is going to be The Raid 2 um, or Snowpiercer, but probably won't be either. I will, which be, will be so jealous if it's either. Yeah, I know you will. And uh, yeah, last last time um, Glasgow Film Festival, they showed uh, John dies at the end, and I didn't get around to seeing that. So um, that would have made you annoyed then. But then you didn't really like it that much no, again, did you? I was a bit uh, disappointed. So, um, and I'll also be talking to the aforementioned Dave McFarlane. Uh, I'll be talking to Paul Fisher from the Right Club. Dave McFarlane, of course, from our what I like to think of as our sister podcast, Born Offside. Um, I'm also talking to a few other bloggers and. It, it's been 95% confirmed we will have genuine BBC comedy television stars on our podcast next week. But I'm not going to say anything just because I don't want to jinx it. But just genuine, probably won't. If they're not on there, they're not on there. But genuine people have said, yeah, we'll come on your podcast. So that's exciting. And we're going to be sponsored, as ever, by the wonderful Brewdog Glasgow. And, and no one knows where me and Owen fit into all this. Yeah, I might, I might give you two a ring and say hello. I'm up in Glasgow getting drunk on the uh, company dollar um, and ask you what you think of that. That's what I might do. Yeah, no, I don't, Owen and Steve may well pop up on this podcast. I just, I have no idea because clearly we never plan these things. And yeah, so uh, enjoy that. Also, while we're here, I just want to plug the fact that I'm involved with other podcasts as well, just because I might as well. I just filmed another podcast tonight. And if you go to diamondandhuman.com, uh, you'll see that there is a music and an unrelated film podcast about to launch there as well. So please check that out. Is that cheeky? It's your podcast. You can do what you, can do what you want. <laughs> I'm the only Are one you? not plugging any other podcasts at the minute. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, James started his thing. He can plug what he wants on it. Oh, I, I, right, yeah. Yeah, it's not, not, what me and Owen say don't matter. We've learned that a long time ago. <laughs> Uh, anyway, that's all, that's all for this week's podcast. I thank you for listening. Somehow we've reviewed six new films and it's shorter than a lot of other podcasts we do, so I don't know <laughs> how that's worked at all. You've been professional tonight. Uh, and uh, uh, Yeah, happy 100 podcasts, yes. lads. Um, we are obviously over at www.failcritics.com for the website and on Twitter 
at Failed Critics, and we're on Facebook as well. And we will see you live from Glasgow next week. The Failed Critics are James Diamond, Steve Norman and Owen Hughes, with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com. You can find us at failedcritics.com, at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics, and on Twitter at at failedcritics. Okay, moving on to 2000, another one in 2001, Zoolander. Owen? Yes. It's not Will Ferrell, is it? It is! Oh, it is, yeah. <laughs> yes. Fantastic. I had no idea he was in the Austin Powers he's, I know he's in. I know he's in one. He gets... He gets. He plays a character called Mustafa. He, um, what, he, gets, he falls off a cliff, I remember, okay. and he's laying at the bottom of the cliff and joking about his broken leg, and I can't remember if it's funny or not, because I've not watched Austin Powers for a long time. Yeah. No, I don't know if they're funny anymore. Maybe yeah. I'm sure the first one still is. They're making a fourth, apparently. Really? Apparently, yeah. But anyway, Owen takes yeah, a 2 nice. 1 lead. Come back from behind that was eluding Man City earlier today. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, on to um, our straight into the news. And the news, big news really is the uh, reaction to the BAFTAs uh, and the reaction yeah. to my live tweeting of the BAFTAs. Good one. I'm hilarious. Do you know what? <laughs> Genuinely, Steve. I've heard only good things about your live tweeting of the BAFTAs. You, you did an, you did a, a sterling job, and I didn't watch them, but I'd argue you're possibly the front runner to replace Stephen Fry. I, That's all I'm saying. All I'm saying is I didn't spoil it for people because it obviously didn't go out on TV yeah. live, and there were yeah. so many accounts, and no one was annoyed by this as well, there were so many accounts who were tweeting it live as it happened and not live as it, and not as it was on TV, which ruined it for a lot of people because as, as, as the Fail Critics account, we naturally follow a lot of film-related accounts, magazines, yeah. newspapers, etc., etc., ruined. You know, I knew who'd won it before it was on telly. And it. And I think... Do you know what? I think part of that is they're just showing off that they're actually at the ceremony. I mean, what, That's what, the only reason they're doing what, it is to go, I'm actually here listening what, to what it What do they get out of it? They must have only pissed people off. I mean, all right, there was there's so, some people who weren't going to watch it on telly or couldn't watch it on telly, so they yeah. probably didn't mind that it was being tweeted as you know no. live before it was actually on the telly. But they wouldn't have minded either if it was tweeted as it was coming happening on the no, telly. So they, they've um, only served to piss people off by doing it. Yeah. But I think I in think America... Empire dealt with it quite well, because Empire were yeah. kind of saying it, and then they were putting a link which you could yeah, click which, onto which, their website, which, the, which you could see which, it, and that was a nice way of doing it. Which the BAFTAs were doing as well. The BAFTAs themselves yeah. did the same thing. But yeah. there was a lot of people, Film 4 for one, um, yeah. one of the film magazines, I can't the remember. Guardian it Film did it as well, but I think they did it by accident. Yeah. yeah. Um, it, it's just really stupid because what that happens then is people either mute you or unfollow you. It's not going to get you getting more list followers. It's going to have you getting less. And people uh, and I, people calling you an idiot. Yeah. Like you, Steve. Uh, you rightly called out a few people on yeah. that, and I think that was that was excellent work. But no, Steve, your your live tweeting was uh, was excellent, and what it lacked in in depth film analysis, <laughs> it made up for. In laughter. Yeah, the laughter, laughter at the BAFTA, I like as, I termed, that, as I termed it and apologised straight away. That was good. No, I like that, Steve. <laughs> the, don't, don't ever apologise for a pun like that. That was, that was pure class. Uh, anyway, um, actual reaction to the BAFTAs and, and, and not, you know, brown-nosing me. Yeah. Um, well, first year, uh, first off, uh, 12 <laughs> Years a Slave. 
won the film it really needed to win mm-hmm. in terms of kind of like Oscar momentum and everything like that, if that's actually a thing. And yeah, 12 Years a Slave won Best Film, beating off American Hustle, Captain Phillips, Grab Team, Philomena. Um, I think everyone was deservedly. beating off American Hustle. Hey. <laughs> American Hustle, though, a couple of unexpected uh, wins, actually, uh, while we're on that. Winning Best Supporting Actress for Jennifer Lawrence, who didn't even show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm sure that was the reason she was kind of nominated, because the BAFTAs were hoping she'd show up, yeah. to be honest. Well, wasn't she didn't... filming something else, apparently? She was, she was yeah. Hunger, and it Hunger also won... Seven or something. Yeah, that's, that, that'll be the one. <laughs> and um, <laughs> she also, uh, it also won Best Original Screenplay as well, uh, beating... Blue Jasmine, Gravity, which again, Gravity should never have been nominated for screenplay. I'm a big fan of Gravity. I'm a big fan of the film. I I, I don't get the criticism the the script has, but it's not a, an award. No, but I mean, script. I mean, as as Stephen Fry pointed out, I suppose that category might have been weaker because so many films this year, so many good films this year, were based on on true stories and and real mm. events. Yeah. That said. I, I still think there were better original screenplays than Gravity. Oh, yeah, yeah, but you know, I think that category was was weaker because the best films were about you know bio biopics or or based on real real events or yeah yeah uh, no 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 I agree with you Steve. Although interestingly, American Hustle um, based on real events, but one best original screenplay because no one's ever actually written a book about those real events. So that's some some of the qualification process for for the Bastards was a bit strange. I mean, best, well, best, let's talk about best, that. Best, best British film. It, it, Gravity. Was, yeah, was it was it was a bit you know. I, I think I tweeted it was like Irish selection for for 1990s their international football team. Yeah, because yeah. part of because apparently it's a points process. Um, it's not like you're either British or not, but you need to fit in certain categories. And part of the points it got was because Alfonso Cuarón lives in Great Britain, which is a bit yeah. stretching it. Um, yeah, so, in my so, opinion, what, somebody who who was involved with catering once had a stopover at Gatwick. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although, what I would say, though, uh, in its defence, is that the reason the film was so successful was because of the way it was filmed. And that was designed and executed purely in Britain. Uh, it was filmed at Shepparton, I believe, mm-hmm. and um, the, actual, the, the mechanics of it and everything was all set up in Britain using a British crew. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm not entirely comfortable with it winning outstanding british film considering it's basically two american stars and sorry this is where i show my ignorance is curon is he spanish he's spanish isn't yes he? yeah spanish director american stars uh spanish writer as well because obviously curon and his brother wrote the film um yeah i'm i'm still a little bit kind of and it, it doesn't take place in britain you know it I'm still a little bit kind of uneasy about it. And I do think it's a shame that the BAFTAs have added a sixth film to that category purely so they can go, look at this small little indie budget film that we're at least giving a nomination to. That film this year was The Selfish Giant, um, which I've still not seen, but I've heard very good things about. But it does seem a little bit of a token gesture. Yeah, but so, uh, Saving and, Mr. Banks was also in that category. And, yes, you know, it was. If we're going to complain about gravity... Being mm. British film, which I don't, I think it's fine. I think you know, 
the reason yeah, like I say, but I, I could go one way or the other on that. I'm not particularly angry about it or anything like that. Um, Saving Mr. Banks was written by a British guy, wasn't it? It was actually written by Brit and had Emma Thompson, but pretty much everything else about yeah. it. Again, um, 12 Years a Slave um, obviously didn't qualify for outstanding British film because despite its um, two British leads, essentially, and a British um, director. Mm-hmm. And were uh, Film 4 it, involved in the making of it? Or was that just because his no, previous work and the... Yeah. I've, I've, just, I've just seen the trailer, the advert on you know Channel 4 right. lately with, with, with him sort of yeah. saying I couldn't have done all this without film four and then they show a clip of 12 years a slave and you kind of think mm. and I think it's American money I think Brad Pitt put that one together basically yeah. didn't he um, and that's and why he plays the hero yeah and it's a very American story as well so that's why that didn't qualify but so that's that's a weird thing for me and I I'll be honest I'd prefer outstanding British film to actually go to a film that I recognised as being a British film, but I'm not going to complain too much. The weird thing though is I was I've thought Dallas Buyers Club mm. and her both must have been ineligible due to release dates, and it turns out no, they weren't. And screeners were sent to judges, and they got completely shunned. Um, not even a screenplay for her. Uh, nothing for Matthew McConaughey, nothing for Jared Leto, and it was eligible, and judges did have copies. And is this going to be the... Because last year I thought the BAFTAs made the Oscars look a bit stupid, because the BAFTAs gave uh, Best Director to Ben Affleck for Argo, despite the fact that Ben Affleck hadn't even been nominated for an Oscar. Mm. This year, the BAFTAs are the ones looking a bit dumb, because it's, to me, I'm not saying it's a certainty, but you know, the fact that Matthew McConaughey wasn't even nominated uh, and the fact that Jared Leto wasn't, that does look a bit bad, doesn't it? It's a bit strange. It's it's very peculiar. Um, it, look, it looks like a snub. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. I don't quite know what's happened there in terms of the judges and things like that. But um, I loved American Hustle, but Christian Bailey in ahead of Matthew McConaughey for best actor. And, and also, I know I've, I'm going to watch Captain Phillips this week, but I know full well that Owen doesn't agree that Tom Hanks should have been there ahead of uh, Matthew McConaughey. And then in Best Supporting Actor, again, ugh, Bradley Cooper from American Hustle in, a, in ahead of Jared Leto just feels. And actually, do you know what? Matt, Matt Damon in Behind the Candelabra was decent, but that, for me, that film was about Michael Douglas. And if Matt Damon got a nomination and michael douglas didn't that also feels a bit weird i'm not sure about matt damon in there mm. i just wasn't sure about him in it at all no but, no uh, exactly. you know, that's, a, that's an odd nomination for me but so we're talking about supporting actor i'm glad barker dabdi won yes but let's I, not take away from barker dabdi actually and that's really great that he won um I'm, I'm still waiting to see that but everything i've heard is that he's he is basically the best thing in Captain yeah. Phillips, mm-hmm. and I, I'm really looking forward to watching it purely because of him and um, Paul Greengrass's direction. But uh, so yeah, and Daniel... definitely should have won that. I mean, if, if anyone was going to win Best Supporting Actor, that was that yeah. was by far and away the best performance was Fassbender. Yeah, yeah, and in fact, Twelve Years a Slave, although it won Best Film. It, kind of, it did miss out on a few of those. Oh, and also um, Chiwetel Ejiofor uh, won Best Actor for 12 Years a Slave, which, you know, was important. And actually, out of those five, yeah, I, I agree with that as well. Um, 
Um, but yeah, no, you're right about Fassbender. And also, a lot of people were surprised that Lupita Ngongo, for 12 Years a Slave, lost out to Jennifer Lawrence in supporting yeah. actress as well. Um, so yeah, that's there's a, there's been a few odd kind of decisions there, I think. Um, Kate Blanchett winning Best Actress, I think, was a no-brainer, and I, I can't see anything stopping her winning the Oscar. Um, but also really good. I thought Philomena winning best adapted yeah. screenplay. So Steve Coogan and Jeff Pope, that's a, that's a really great award for them. And I, do you know what? Possibly they could still be in with a chance. Uh, are they Oscar nominated? Yeah, they are, aren't they? Yeah. Um, so yeah, wouldn't that be great? Um, animated film one by frozen documentary, uh, the act of killing foreign film, the great beauty, uh, beating blue is the warmest color. Um, which I loved, so but I've still not seen The Great Beauty, so I can't really complain. Um, yeah, I think that's that's about it in terms of in terms of the biggest points of the evening. Well, um, cinematography is the one that we've we've touched on on previous podcasts, so I don't think okay, we need to go yeah. into a massive conversation. But of course, Gravity winning it is still considered by some people quite controversial because yes. of the cinematography techniques that are employed. I personally yeah. thought Twelve Years a Slave. If you're going to go for any of those films, would have won that one, to be honest. Well, I can see why Gravity did that. I can see I why Gravity but did that. If you, if you get to the stage where you go, it's that, you know, that is just as legitimate an art of cinematography as something like 12 Years a Slave, then I can see why Gravity won. Yeah, but I mean, it's the same as, it, you know, if they'd have given it to Avatar, that's what it was like, because it was just a lot of CGI stuff. Yeah. But, you know, it's... There were worse films that could have won it, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um, from from BAFTA's bad choices to ours, we now are going to give our predictions for the biggest awards in the Oscars, which is uh, just around the corner. Yes. Okay. So I'll, I'll run through these and I'll give you mine, and then I'll ask for each of your two predictions. I hope you're going to write them down so we can. I am. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a pen and paper, but it would be useful if you could also remember your list as well, just in case I lose this bit of paper. Um, what I'm going to say as well is we'll open this up to listeners. So email us at podcast at failcritics.com with your predictions as well, and if anyone beats all of us. I will send them a Cut free copy Island. of Cutthroat <laughs> Island. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say. Oh, you will God. get a free copy of Cutthroat Island plus any other DVDs I'm just trying to get rid well, of I, out I've, of my collection. I've got, some DVD, I've got some DVD box sets that I've upgraded to Blu-ray, so I'm sure I can find something. We're going to put together this kind of amazing second-hand yeah, pamper. I can throw in a few as well. That's yeah. fine. That, so that, that's what you're looking at here. So if you can beat us... I can throw in all six Star Wars films on DVD. Wow. So, what the DVD? The DVD ones have got the theatrical version. Are they the ones with the theatrical oh, versions? Oh, I, I, I can't remember, but you're not having them if it is. So yeah. No, 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 don't get because the theatrical ones aren't on Blu-ray. Back to the, that's back, why. Back to the Future, you can have. Okay, because you've got that on Blu-ray. Yes. Hope you're not just giving that away. Uh, no, okay. I've got that on Blu-ray. Right. So, um, do you need me to read out the the actual? Let's just do the tips. Uh, let's, let's just, just do... say the award and yeah. then what we're picking. Okay, There's no need to list for. everything. Yeah, so in best picture, I am going for Twelve Years a Slave. Steve, this is this is difficult because I kind of want to be different because you know, or else it kind of takes something away from. But you know, nominate. Well, I'm going to go for Twelve Years a Slave as well. I can't yeah, see anything. Yeah, we have got thirteen of these, yeah. so yeah. <laughs> and, oh wait. Yeah, Twelve Years a Slave. I think so. Yeah. Okay, best actor in a leading role. I'm going for Matthew McConaughey in Dallas Dallas Buyers Club. 
Steve? Uh, um, the only one I've not seen is Bruce Dern in Nebraska. I'm going to go for Chiwetelajia Four for 12 years, a slave. And Owen? Uh, Matthew McConaughey. Okay. Yeah. Okay, on to Best Actress. I think this will be a clean sweep. I'm going for Kate Blanchett. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to go. I haven't seen Kate, uh, Blue Jasmine or Philomena. The other three, I don't really think are worthy of winning it. So it's got to really be Kate Blanchett. Cool. Yeah, no um, no other contesters. It's Kate Blanchett. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Best Actor in a Supporting Role. I'm going for Jared Leto. I am also going for Jared Leto. Okay. And unsurprisingly, so am I. Yeah. I know these are okay. This is where it might get a little bit interesting. Yeah. Best actress in supporting role. I'm going for Jennifer Lawrence. I am going to go for Lupita Nyong'o. And Owen. I've also chosen Jennifer Lawrence. Okay. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Best animated feature then. I'm going for Frozen. I've not seen any of these, <laughs> so it makes it really difficult. Uh, I'm going just to be different and going to go with Despicable Me 2. Even though I think it'll be frozen, I'm going to throw something different in there just to try and get the scores changed a bit. Okay, and Owen? See, now I know it's going to be frozen. I just know it's going to be frozen, but I want to say The Wind Rises. Uh, Just because they might give it, yeah, to Miyazaki for his last... No, it's got to be frozen. Oh, Owen's playing safe. I'm playing safe, yeah. Okay, best director. I'm going for Alfonso Cuaron. <laughs> I'm going to go with Steve McQueen. Oh, nice. I I, I would genuinely love that. Um, Owen. I think you might as well just copy and paste your list into mine because uh, uh, gravity. Well, is we're right. getting into the more difficult ones soon. But are you going Alfonso Cuaron? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Okay. Uh, best documentary feature. I'm going for The Act of Killing. It's my favourite film from last year. Of course, I'm going for that. I'm going to go for. I've not seen any of these, um, but I'm going to go for The Act of Killing as well. Yeah, Owen. Yeah, Act of Killing. Yeah, obviously. Okay. Best foreign language film. I'm going for The Great Beauty. Despite having not seen it, I really want The Hunt to win, but I'm going for The Great Beauty. Uh, Steve. I'm going to go for The Hunt, then. Nice. Owen? I've gone for The Great Beauty as well. It's just just got the momentum behind it. I know, yeah. Okay, best original song, I'm going for Let It Go from Frozen. (laughs) I refuse to vote for U2, even though I think they'll (laughs) probably win it. So I'm going to go for The Moon Song. The Moon Song, nice. Karen O from Yeah, Yeah, Yeah is excellent. Uh, Performing live on the night, I think, as well. Owen? Uh, I've guessed... Let it go. Yeah, that's what I put there. Okay. In, uh... okay it, best it, adapted... Unfortunately, everything is awesome did not make that. So I know. Yeah. Um, just missed the cut off there. A best adapted screenplay. This is where I'm going a bit different. I'm going for Before Midnight. I'm going to go actually for Philomena. I would genuinely love that. Yeah. I've gone Owen. for Philomena mainly out of optimism. Okay. And then best original screenplay. I've gone for American Hustle. I'm going to after seeing all of those except Blue Jasmine and Brown I'm going to go Dallas Buyers Club okay and Owen American Hustle but I've gone for that I think that's just because 
nothing else that I've picked is uh, David O. Russell's, and I think he's oh, okay. got to win something. something. Yeah. So is there any? Uh, uh, me and Owen differ on One. best adapted screenplay. Yeah. Is that it? That's it. Wow. We've got very similar this year. Last we year, I think you went for lots of like. I went for lots of gut instinct exactly. this time yeah, and I, they fucked me over I've, I got worst score out of everyone I've just year. tried to be a bit different to you guys just to kind of you know make it a bit less boring yeah, yeah so I've just made it very boring I'm not calling well, I'm, not, I'm not calling you boring I'm just saying <laughs> if we all pick the same thing or you know That's right. it kind of yeah. defeat the object of trying to beat one another See, it could it could have it could have mixed it up a little bit if we'd gone into loads of the technical ones, but I I just didn't been, I just been where, picking names out of massively. I clearly would have gone for Bad <laughs> Grandpa Best Makeup just because Bad Grandpa being an Oscar nominated film's hilarious. Yeah. Right, yeah. So that's it. So if you can beat those, you will win a bumper hamper of failed critics discarded goodies. And we cannot guarantee the condition of these. If they are scratched, tough shit. No, I've no idea if they'll play. Just try and if they if they don't try and just pass them off at CEX and hope they don't notice. We're not gonna put a return address on these, right? They're not gonna come back to us. I'm gonna send. I'm you, gonna you send once they're gone, they're gone. You can send them to me and then I'll send them on because I'm I'm I don't mind being the figurehead. That's fine. Uh, anyway, we're gonna have our first break now and then we will be back with uh, we've got six new reviews to release uh, to review new releases to review, something like that. Uh, yep. first, the first lot will be the Lego movie Cuban Fury and Monuments Men alright first new review uh, new release review of this bumper selection is the much anticipated Lego movie uh, starring Chris Pratt as Emmett here's a clip well, where can we go where we can't be found maybe we could go underwater what if we went underwater great idea babe thank you batman your ideas are the best but hey i just said that we could build a submarine a bat submarine patent pending with the rainbows and dream catchers in case we take a nap like an underwater spaceship but you can't build all of them at once ready break okay these are the colors i need blue raspberry and sour apple if anybody has black parts i need them okay i only work in black and sometimes very, very dark gray. Use the yellow bricks. You guys, can I help? Oh, it has to be this way. No, I need that. Where is he? Anyone know what this is, and do you need it? I think we can use wings, rocket boosters. You get your retro space stuff out of my area. You guys, hey, just tell me exactly what to do and how to do it. Emmett, don't worry about what the others are doing. You must embrace what is special about you. And of course, there's many other people in in the voice cast, including uh, Morgan Freeman, Will Arnett, Liam Neeson, and others. I thought it was very good, a lot of fun. Probably one of the best animated films I've seen in a long time. I've not seen Frozen from this year, but you know, one of the best animated kids' films I've seen in a long time. And that reaction was shared by pretty much the whole cinema I was in, which was packed. And you know, mm-hmm. kids, kids right through to adults. Uh, saw it. I'd like to add, it's nothing to do with Lego Movie. They played that um, Harrison Ford advert for Sky or whatever beforehand. Mm. Oh, it looks so miserable. Yeah, but, yeah, but I was really happy that the kid, the little kid, you know, must have been like six behind me, mm. pointed out that and said, "That's Han Solo," and I thought there is some hope. Oh, <laughs> there's some hope. There, there, yeah. there is a new hope that was for me. Oh. So, uh, but yeah, anyway, no. And you were being a phantom menace, weren't you, Steve? 
let's not sorry let's not, let's <laughs> not, let's not com- yeah let's, let's not comment about what i was doing at the back of the cinema <laughs> for a kid's film it's really dangerous ground yeah I how i got in uh anyway uh, yes, I thought it was great, and it was it was a reaction shared by the whole the whole screen from from men to women to kids to parents to you know whatever. Yeah. Everything is awesome. I love and, this and, film. Unless you're Owen, then it's so not much. awesome. You're just well, yeah. You're it's just a cynical. Dark. You're just a cynical Lord Business. We'll give Owen yeah. his moment <laughs> in a second, but I just want to say I've paid to see this film twice now. I've paid over twenty pounds. Actually I might have I might have paid twice if it wasn't half term this week. Okay, no, that's fine. But actually, I went to see it in half term, and there were kids there. And second time I saw it, I enjoyed it even more. And there were kids laughing, and there were families laughing. There was a group of students at the back, I think, who were laughing at all the kind of Star Wars references being all, and things. Being like all that. ironic and hipster. Exactly. <laughs> and um, okay, so it's uh, it's uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, isn't it? Um. So the makers of Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs and also 21 Jump Street. And, and, and some... Yeah, and, and weren't they kind of involved in Robot Chicken as well from Cartoon Network or someone involved with the, with Lego Movie? I think so, yeah. Which, which uh, definitely I, feels like a Robot Chicken. So which, 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 is, which is kind of strange because you're getting, you know, Robot Chicken and 21 Jump Street, you're getting kind of adult comedy writers mm. to write for a kid's film, which is probably yeah. what helps it appeal to everyone. Hmm. Oh, definitely. And it really does. And I think that's I, I honestly think it's an incredible achievement. This film. I, I think this this is a I, people are underlooking the the achievement of this film. It The jokes range from very simple jokes, which, you know, kids and the whole family can enjoy to some really, really clever and sublime pop culture references and things that I didn't even notice the first time round. Um, some really, really great little things like uh, Superman and Green Lantern, Lego Superman and Green Lantern not getting on and being voiced by um, Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill from the yeah. 21 Jump films. Yeah, that's something that's in there for adults but it's not one of those films where oh it's a kiddie story oh here is an adult joke it's genuinely universal so, someone pointed out as well that you know the, the space the space man the 80s space man mm. benny i think that yeah. his, his helmet was cracked and somebody somewhere on the internet pointed out that they had loads of them and the helmet always cracked mm. in that place that, that helmet is... cracks in exactly the same place and, and what i loved was looking at because it's all cgi but obviously it's made to look like stop motion lego which is brilliant which is a brilliant idea um and there's just so many little tiny touch where it's looking all flashy and classy and then all of a sudden someone's like pushing a boat going like that and it's just like oh that just brings back the magic of playing with lego and like if you looked at the characters they had scuffs they had chips taken out of them it looked like they were lego characters which had been played with by the directors over and over again and i I just think it's an incredible achievement to make a U certificate film, which I found me as a 34 year old who went to see it without any kids. I went, I've been to see it twice on my own and found it gut bustingly funny. Haven't you got a young girl though? And yeah, not she, ta- she's that's not, really cruel. That's really mean. She's not quite ready for this at the cinema, honestly. <laughs> okay. I'd take her. I'd take her to see special kind of special screenings at cinema where kids can run around and scream at the front of the screen and okay. things like that. I, I wouldn't. If this comes up in one of those showings, I'll take her to see that. Otherwise, I'll I'll yeah I'll wait for it to come <laughs> out on Blu-ray. Um, but I I, I 
and I'm not doing this to be controversial or hipsterish or anything like that. I honestly think this is the best film I've seen all year. Okay, so where do you? Hugh Owen. <laughs> like, like, you know, for yeah. I mean, if you're if you're talking about animated kids films, you know, especially recently since. Let's take it since Pixar came into existence because for me it's up there with with the best of with the, with the best since Toy Story came along. So that's whether it's Pixar or DreamWorks or whoever else. But since Toy Story came along and these new kind of animated films yeah. came along, it's it, it's, it's it, universal as Toy yeah. Story, but it's funnier. That I I, I love this. I mean, there, there, I genuinely there, there were some it. bits that were great. I mean, Will Arnett as Batman was fantastic. Le- Best Batman since Adam West. Le- <laughs> Liam Neeson playing the good cop and the bad cop and the, and the cop's yeah. parents was was great. Will yeah. Will Ferrell's got the Will ideal. Will Ferrell's doing a brilliant job in this. Will Ferrell does a fantastic in, in, job in both his roles. I don't really know how much yeah. you can say there yeah, without, without spoiling it. In, yeah, no, but, don't go yeah. into too much. But you know, in, in both the his third roles. act. Is one of the bravest things I've seen from a mainstream film. Honestly, that, I am, I am. No, honestly, it is one of the bravest movies which could have fallen apart so it could, it badly. It could have made the film fall on its ass, and yeah. everyone would be like, "What does. is going on here?" But it works. Everyone's like, it, re- it really kind of it, it, it encapsulates everything, really, doesn't it? About yeah. what, what is going on in the film, yeah. and, and but do you know what? Let's we we've we've gone about how everything is awesome. Um, and God, that tune is amazing. Uh, but let, let's let Owen. It's Lonely Island, isn't it? Or Lonely place. Lonely Islander involved in? <laughs> it, it's um, it's Tegan and Sarah yeah. featuring Lonely Island, and what a tune! Everything is awesome. Can't stop singing it. Uh, but Owen, I, I think has been. I, I'm sure I heard a cough of disdain from Owen just now, so I, I want to hear what Owen's got to say. The, I coughed <laughs> when you said that the final act is like the bravest thing you've seen in film for however recent because yeah. it was it really really yeah. the Gen- bravest thing you've seen really yeah, for, uh, what i'm talking okay from a mainstream film right thinking of its audience thinking of um you know the fact that it is opening huge and wide and everywhere obviously i've seen braver things like that in the act of killing or art house cinema and stuff and like and that. And you got to think this has probably got a bigger or definitely got a bigger audience, something like Dallas Buyers Club or Twelve Years a Slave. So this is this is a this isn't every person. There's certain people who won't go and see films like Twelve Years a Slave. Every everyone is probably up for going to see the Lego movie. And I honestly think the third act was both unexpected, intelligent for thinking of the audience. And I think it was very brave and I think it worked. And obviously it brought a tear to my eye. <laughs> Okay. Well, every film does that with you. I mean, that's that's nothing. That's, you know what? I didn't, didn't buy. I, I didn't cry at um, Twelve Years a Slave, and I did cry at this. And I don't know what that says about me mm. or you. Uh, go on then, Owen. <laughs> go on then. Wait, where do I fit in there? I don't know. I mean, it's made out now like I don't like the film, but I do. I do like the Lego <laughs> movie. Lord, Lord, business. Don't play with it. It's not a toy. It's a model. <laughs> oh, it's just what you're like, isn't it? If you had kids, you'd be like that, wouldn't you? You're not allowed to play, but I've built it now. Leave it there. Here's some bricks that you can make whatever you want out of, but don't touch my Millennium. Fo- no, you wouldn't do a Millennium Fog. You don't like Star Wars. Don't touch my skyscraper. God. Yeah. All right, Steve. All right. Keep your hair on. Um. No, I, I do like. I genuinely do like the Lego Movie. I think it was funny. I did laugh quite a lot. It was very consistently funny. Um, 
perhaps a bit more than I was expecting it to be. Because I have to, I think I said I saw the, the Lego Batman movie, which was awful. That was just cut scenes from the game. Yeah. And that was just terrible. That did not work at all. And I am, I have this reputation done as a grumpy, miserable bastard anyway. But I am a bit <laughs> sick of seeing, <laughs> I am a bit sick of the constant Legoing of everything else from football to like movie clips that goes on. How can you not like anything in Lego, Owen? I'm disgusted. It doesn't. <laughs> just pull in something in Lego doesn't make it better. No, no, some things don't work. Like when I see them, kind of, they had a big thing on the end of Football Focus recently where they converted a load of football's greatest moments into Lego. And I just thought it looked rubbish. What's the point? Exactly. I just don't think it. Just, 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 show, just show me what happened in normally <laughs> in a video. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Or Bedelia so, um, and Skinner recreated it in, in you know, Phoenix from the Flames. Yeah. That's fine. But, you know, don't make it into Lego. It's rubbish. Yeah. So I am a, a bit burnt out on Lego stuff at the minute. and I, um, So I, I didn't go into it in the most optimistic frame of mind, shall we say. So when I say injured, it, it was surprisingly a lot better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but, you know, all this talk about it being this genre-changing film is just going to create this this new era of animated films and it's the best thing since Toy Story. I just think, well, it's a bit overboard, isn't it? I mean, it was good as an animated film and yeah, okay, the, the plot, it was a, it was very complicated for what is essentially a young kids film. For the type of audience that it's aimed at, to have all these like Brave New World and 1984 type references in it, all this anti-utopian style. Um, but but, but well, on, on, on that side of the coin... The plot is still quite simple as well. It's but, yeah. these these are the good guys. There's the bad guy. They got to stop the bad guy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, but it does at least put something in there to say, mm. you know, yeah. why there is a good guy and why there is a bad guy and what oh, makes them yeah. good and what makes them yeah. bad. So it's quite it's quite yeah. a bit better than your average kids film, which would just have the evil villain because he's got a beard and a stick mm-hmm. and he just steals princesses or whatever, you know. So yeah. was, I, I appreciate that. I thought it was really good. Probably would have gone over the head of most of the, its audience. I think if it's aimed at younger members at, at, of the audience, and I do think it's mostly aimed at those younger members, but with bits to appreciate as an adult. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it creates a story. It's quite good, quite interesting, but it's just the the, the reviews for, for me are just completely overboard, completely over the top in the praise that it's getting. It's a All right, Lord business. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I do, I do agree, though, the voice acting in it is fantastic. I yeah. really do. I mean, when you, I know you're saying the best Batman since um, Adam, <laughs> Adam West, West. But Will Arnett, he really just absolutely nailed it. it his and voice it's, it's is a really perfect. nicely, um, it, it, is a, it, po- it just nicely pokes fun at Batman exactly. as well. Not in a, isn't Batman too, but just like, wouldn't it be great if some if we actually had a live action Batman that was a bit like this? It's, just, yeah, great it's kind of when yeah. Batman starts playing metal music and says, "Because I'm dark." Cause I'm an orphan. <laughs> yeah, and, and his own self titled song yeah. about being an orphan and stuff like that. That that and just the way he kind of treats Chris Pratt's character as well. It's just yeah, fantastic. Exactly, yeah. Uh, it's great. And there's some all aw- some of the cameos in there are fantastic. Mm. You know, and it's not just cameos from people; it's cameos from people playing Lego versions of themselves, which I think is. Is just brilliant fun. Yeah. Um, and and Millhouse is in there somehow. Yeah, yeah. And, and and Shaquille O'Neal. <laughs> yeah. But I really and, like Neeson's. I mean, we've already talked about it, but I really liked yeah. Liam Neeson's. The bit where he's um, 
What's his Oh, Danny Boy. He starts singing Oh, Daddy yes. Boy. I just <laughs> priest up laughing at that. That's just <laughs> and and you know you, you you're inevitably going to get some kind of release the Kraken type moments as well. It's <laughs> really nice. Yeah. And look, I, like I say, I've I've seen it twice, and the second time it actually improved for me. I, I it's just for me. I think. What it most reminded me of, and this will make sense to this will kind of make sense of why I love this film so much and why I'm being so potentially overboard in my praise, actually. Um, it really reminds me of that first of the reboot of the Muppets films. I, I just had so much fun in a cinema watching a film just appealing to absolutely everyone who came into that cinema and i i, I genuinely think that's a, that's such a difficult task and comedy gets overlooked sometimes because it's seen as being really you know comedy films never do very well at award ceremonies because they're not seen as being worthy enough which annoys me in itself um uh, and the fact that, you know, for for example, I, I still think Alpha Papa should have been nominated for loads of BAFTAs. But, you know, it's a comedy, so it doesn't get nominated because it's not as worthy as other films. And well, it's like, like that. Uh, Golden Globes creating a whole separate category. Yeah, them, you know, it's not exactly. real. It's just a comedy or musical. Like, oh, yeah. It's comedy and musicals. Yeah. Let's just give them. And, and so I think com- people underestimate how difficult it is. to. And I think I honestly think in film terms, it's easier to manipulate someone into feeling sad for a character than it is to make them laugh character and also most comedies aim for a very specific audience and and if you fit into that audience brilliant borat is one of my favorite comedy films of all time it's certainly not aimed at kids it's not aimed at kind of middle age yeah it's aimed at a certain type of person who's going to like that comedy um spinal tap aimed at a certain type of person who's going to like that comedy and the, the real kind of timeless classics and for me I'm not saying this is there yet. I, I need to give it years to see that. But the timeless classics are things like potentially Some Like It Hot. Um, uh, he actually, he's thinking back to Wayne's World. And um, With Nail and I, actually, no, With Nail and I is not for kids and things like that. But the timeless classics are the ones that can actually make anyone who watches it laugh. Um, and I think that's probably why Charlie Chaplin and Buster Keaton still kind of hmm. stand to this day is because anyone who watches that can find some humor and it can find it funny and I, I, I just i just wish people would give comedies a little bit more credit and i think this film does an incredible thing in the fact that anyone who watches it will find it funny and that's a really difficult thing to do basically yeah. um, basically you want people to take comedy seriously yes <laughs> when you put it like that steve but I mean, it's it's funny, but it is. This is me being cynical again, going back to being my miserable bastard self. It is, it oh, is just a big long advert, though, isn't it? It's when I'm gonna have another argument with well, you, isn't well, it? Yeah. It, it is, and it isn't. I mean, a film called The Lego Movie, with with characters made of Lego and everything made of Lego, is probably gonna make people, if they like the film, want to go and buy some Lego. But there's there's no there's no real part of the film. There's one small part of the film where they're kind of joking about it at the same time. Oh, where they, where they actually directly kind of advertise something. Other than that, they're not really going, oh, this is Lego Millennium Falcon, buy this. It's, you know, it's just kind of... I'm, I'm with Steve. I think it's the lack of cynicism. They're not going, please go out and buy loads of Lego. They're going, do you know what? We know you love to buy Lego. Here's a great film about how much fun Lego is. And to me, that's that's a slightly different thing to say um last year's skyfall where james bond decided to drink a heineken for the first time in his life ever and it felt really out of place or um 
what the Walter Mitty film, which I I really enjoyed, but the amount of mm. plugs for Papa John's Pizza or um I can't even remember that dating website which just goes to show how useless it was to actually have product placement or, or no. wayne's world where they advertise <laughs> yes <laughs> it's brilliant um arrested development it's yeah yes yeah when uh thingy takes him to burger king yeah. that's awesome um but for me uh it was it but again and maybe this is because i'm i'm already a big fan of lego um going uh, 90 minutes of saying how awesome lego is is like saying 90 minutes saying how awesome breathing is or how awesome water is of course lego's awesome of course you're going to want to buy lego after this because it's awesome that's that's at the same time though it's you know if there was no intention to sell more lego because of this movie they wouldn't have did you ever feel like they were trying to sell you lego while you were watching the film Owen? yeah a couple times yeah i honestly just thought they were trying to make me laugh and do you know what if you wanted to buy lego afterwards then go and buy lego because it's awesome that but maybe but, but that's the, because bit, owen hates lego we can't owen be... hates star wars he hates I ha- die hard, die hard hates lego star wars what else are we going to put on there by the time this podcast podcast finishes no but there's a there's definitely definitely a point towards the end of the film which i'm not going to say what it is but it is just it's marketed more than a film we can talk All about right. it after the podcast finishes so it's okay, not to spoil we'll anyone Okay, I'm just, I'm just saying, I, I never, I personally never got that feeling at all. Um, but you know, maybe, maybe because I'd already, maybe because I'd really bought into the film, maybe I didn't, maybe Perhaps. I was just never gonna feel that, or maybe I've been brainwashed. <laughs> maybe, maybe the advertising was so good, I didn't even realise I've been advertised to. Maybe mm. that's the case. I don't know. It, for me, it was just, a, it was a very clever, very well written, well acted as well, well voice acted, funny advert. And okay, right. Because they've got 22 Jump Street coming out later this year as well. I, I think they're genuinely, the, the, probably at the moment, the most exciting writing, writing partnership in Hollywood at the moment. And I can't wait to see more from them. Let's just move on before we upset Owen even more. <laughs> uh, we've, got, we've got two more films to, to review in this part, although we'll only be brief. Uh, mm. First, James went to see Monuments Men starring uh, George Clooney, Matt Damon, Bill Murray, John Goodman, and others. Yes. Um, Okay, yeah, basically, uh, George Clooney uh, is based on a true story. Um, It's kind of very, very different from the true story, though, uh, about a unit during the Second World War whose job it is to go into the war zone and to protect all the great antiquities. Isn't it it basically Hitler has has obviously while he's invading Europe gone and robbed and pillaged Stolen. all the art, all the, the art. Cult, you know, from wherever he's invaded, and now it looks like he's on his last legs, so he's gonna destroy it all. Basically, yeah. yeah. That that that's the film. And that's so your history George, lesson done. George Clooney <laughs> puts together a team with differing skills and uh he might be getting uh, a kind of might be getting a feel for a certain casino film here. So here here goes my awesome one line puntastic review. Is, hang on, hang uh, on. Is there a scene where he puts? Is there a scene where he puts the gang together? Or a, there is, yeah. yeah, yeah, there is. And that's why I'm going to that's why I'm going to describe this film as going through the motions. Eleven, boom, nailed it because it's not a very good film. That's why it's going through the motions. Did you get it? Oceans Eleven. Yeah. Going through the motions. Seriously, that is that took me ages. 
I'm getting nothing. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't show. Well, getting <laughs> going through the motions 11. Le- it's brilliant. Leave, leave the jokes to me. <laughs> it's your favourite right. pun, that, isn't it? What Did you have yeah, so Pacific proud. Ocean's 11? Yeah, Pacific, yeah, I did, basically. <laughs> I, I had noticed that myself. <laughs> this is better than that okay. because it's just so laboured. It's, it's, <laughs> it, it, oh, it's, but, and the, the thing is, who would have believed that a film with John Goodman, Bill Murray, and Bob Balaban wouldn't be funny? I, and seriously, the, I, I don't think, because Clooney directed this, and I don't think the problem is the direction as such. It's it's decent enough direction. Um, he, he's, he's a competent director, I think. I've not seen anything particularly special from Clooney yet. I enjoyed Ides of March, but it wasn't special. Um I enjoyed Confessions of a Dangerous Mind, but that was mainly because Sam Rockwell was so fantastic in it. Um, the problem with this film is the script, which is all over the place. Can't find its tone at all. It kind of, it half the time it feels like it wants to be a World War Two caper, like The Great Escape or um, uh, The Dirty Dozen or something like that. And then the other half of the time, it feels like it wants to do it, you know, tell a very serious story about how um, and it keeps really hammering home this point. Is a man's life worth the price of a piece of art kind of thing? You know, can, if a man gives up his life to save a piece of art, is that a worthwhile trade and things like that? And the problem is the, the film pulls out of anything too funny. It could it could be a heck of a lot funny. It's not very funny at all. It try, there's a few amusing moments, but I think it's trying to pay too much reverence to the Second World War and doesn't want to offend people there. But then it doesn't do a very dark film either. Um, uh, it's also it's less than two hours long and still feels almost an hour too long because there are just scenes chucked in there for no reason. It's a bit of a mess of an edit. Um, and I think my last point that i'd say about it i really can't recommend this film it's very boring there's no drama whatsoever all i'll say characters die and you kind of see it coming and you don't really care and it's that shouldn't be the case with a film like this um so look it's based on a true story but if you're going to hollywoodize a true story you even need to commit to it or not um because the true story actually was about 400 men and women who worked in the unit and spent a lot of time doing that. And there's, I'm sure there's some very interesting stories within those. But this seemed to kind of hint at the fact that no, it's just these six guys who go around saving, you know, 500 million quid's worth of art and stuff like that. But if, but um, they don't properly go Hollywood with it. There's no amazing action sequences. There's, there's Kate Blanchett plays a potential love interest in it but isn't really and ends up not going on yeah if you're going to properly hollywoodize it make up an excuse for her to go on you know go out with the gang and try and rescue this art and stuff like that you know if you're gonna if you're gonna lie then lie well basically so (laughs) i think my final point would be either make a really ultra realistic band of brothers style um film about what this was really about or make Inglorious Bastards, which is a load of nonsense but entertaining. This falls really in between the two, and for that reason, it's pointless. There we go. Uh, film I watched uh, was Cuban Fury, starring Nick Frost, uh, not with Simon Pegg or Edgar Wright this time, on his own. Not on his own, of course, he's with Rashida Jones, Chris O'Dowd, and 
the one from Peep Show whose name I can't remember. Olivia Coleman. Olivia Coleman. That's the one. And um, Lovejoy's in it as well, isn't he? Yes, he is. <laughs> and, and he plays a. Uh, he was a salsa dancing prodigy at school, got bullied out of it by big bad bullies who told him salsa dancing was rubbish. Then he gets back into it because it turns out some attractive woman at work uh, who's new at work, played by Rashida Jones, just likes salsa dancing, so he decides to get back into it. And it is fine as a film. <laughs> it is it yeah. is not the best comedy you'll ever see, and it's certainly not the worst. There's plenty of bits that make you laugh but you're not going to be sort of laughing the whole way through. The characters are, are nice, but they're not exactly memorable. Um, they're, you know, they're likeable. It's kind of, um, who was his name? Kevan, someone from Phone Jacker. I can't remember his surname. Yeah, he, and from Four Lions. Yeah, yeah. He, he, I can't remember his surname, but he pretty much steals every scene he's in, playing like an incredibly camp dancer. He's brilliant. Mm-hmm. He's probably the best, best, per, you know, character, not best character, but best, best performance in it he's extremely yeah. funny but you know it, it's it's kind of what you probably call an ideal date movie yeah. it's, is it nick frost's version of run fat boy run uh, i don't know i've not seen run fat boy run okay. so I, I, but just a kind of like pretty forgettable but all right yeah, it's, it's not rom-com it's, it's not it's, yeah. it's not bad it's pretty inoffensive it's pretty by the books but you know there's enough laughs in it to make it worth watching but you're, are, you're not going to be in- are all the are all the laughs about Fat Man Dancer? Not really. No, it's it's a bit it's okay. a bit better than that, to be honest. Okay. It's, it's it is it is better than that. I do I do like the cast. I'll be honest. I do like Chris O'Dowd. Um, I do like Nick Frost. I think Nick Frost is a likable. It, it's quite, it's strange mm. seeing him as the as the leading man rather than mm. the yeah the secondary character. Yeah. Although I I kind of. I, I think I saw a bit of that in uh, The World's End. I think, although he wasn't technically, you know, joint lead, but he he came, he kind of stepped up in The World's End compared to Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead, where he was very much a secondary character. He was, he was comic foil in those, wasn't he? Yeah, exactly. Whereas he actually had a bit of drama and he had he had more to do with his character in that. So I, I'm glad to see it because I, I do like him. Um, I do like Rashida Jones as well. Um so, I mean, like I say, you'll, yeah. you'll watch it again. I'll you'll, probably watch it on Netflix. Yeah, like I say, if you watch it when it comes on the telly or on onto Netflix, you won't particularly spend any money on it to go and see it again. And it it, it, it could it could you know film films could like that could always be funnier and maybe a bit more challenging in terms of the, the humour. But it, it's fine. It's it's not going to offend anyone, and it is perfectly enjoyable. But but at the same time, pretty forgettable. Robbie Collins. Film critic at the mm. Telegraph was he? Yeah. Telegraph described it as the worst British film he's seen since the UK Film Council closed. So I'm just putting that out there, whether people oh, agree with. Wow. Yeah. He he was not a fan. Yeah, but I mean, some people just take things too far, like with your review of Lego Movie. <laughs> <laughs> Which you uh, you only liked the Lego movie, Alan. Yeah, it's disgraceful. <laughs> you, said, you said it was the most likable film you've seen since the British Film Council <laughs> show. Uh, anyway, yeah, so that, that brings to the first part of our uh, new release reviews. The second part brings Dallas Buyers Club, her, and the new Robocop. Part two then for for new releases, uh, Robocop 
seen by Owen, not strictly speaking a, a new release. It's been out for a little while, but we haven't had a chance to review it. So, Owen, here's your chance. Yeah, well, like yeah, like you've just said, it's, it's not a new release. I think it came out on the 7th of February, but it's still sort of in theatres at the moment, in cinemas at the moment. Um, yeah, so uh, it's directed by a guy called Jose, or Jose Padilla. I think it's Jose because he's Brazilian. So I think they say the J. I don't know. I, I think you're right. Yeah. So he um, <laughs> he's known mainly for Elite Squad. He did the Elite Squad and Elite Squad: The Enemy Within, its sequel, which are very like harsh, gritty films about the the Bope in uh, or Bopa Bopa is it uh, the uh, private police they've got anyway yeah. in Brazil, um, and that's. A really like I want to say satire, but it's it's not as subtle a satire because it is literally showing you the horrendous things that these these real police get up to. So when you think it's this guy directing RoboCop, you kind of I mean those two those two films as well by the way, absolutely, completely and utterly the, the absolute eighteen rated films that, that mm. it's possible to be. Um, so RoboCop, you kind of expect it to be just as uh, brutal. Uh, and then you look at the film rating, it's got the film certificate, it's a 12A, and you kind of have to think, hmm, how how violent can this be? Even the original Paul Verhoeven RoboCop is an 18, and justifiably mm. so. Um, yeah. That is definitely an 18 as well. So you've got this, this ultra-violent 80s film, mixed with the director known for these absolutely horrendous, horrendously violent films, um, put into a 12A remake. And it just seems a bit strange. I don't think they've done the maths on that one. But anyway, so he he basically tells the story of uh, a cop called Alex Murphy, who's played by Joel Kinnaman, who uh, is not really that famous, I don't think. I think he's done some, some TV stuff, but he's a Swedish actor. Um and he, he does was he in the american killing possibly i think he was yeah i think he's, he's in, done... he was in the first series of the us the killing i don't know about the second one i've not seen it right okay well i've only seen the danish version of that mm. and he's not in that one but um <laughs> so he he was pretty good i guess um better when he was playing robocop than when he was playing alex murphy which i'm going to come on to in a minute cuz have either of you seen the original I've seen the original and I love it. Yeah, it's great. Right. Yes, yeah. yeah. I've not seen any of the sequels though. Okay, so you know I've seen the original. I've seen the two film sequels and I've seen the four made-for-TV movies that sort of follow. I bet it. they were good. <laughs> they're, they're mixed. <laughs> they're mixed. They're not bad. Yeah. They're getting too distracted. The, the made-for-TV yeah, movies are. They were made after the TV series, so the TV series was okay. a U. That was a U certificate for the TV series. Wow. Yeah. And then they made these um, TV movies that are supposed to make it darker again. I think they were released in 2000, 1999, 2000, something like oh. that. So they they were darker, but, you know. Anyway, so this is you kind of step backwards from that, if you like, because the, the, they tried to make it darker and then they rebooted the series and it's not quite as dark. Although... When I say it's not as dark, what I mean is it's not ultra-violent. Right. So there's no blood splatter, really. Um, people get shot, but instead of shot with bullets, they're shot with, like, a stun gun. It's like a taser that Robocop right. has. He does have machine guns, but he only shoots other machines with machine guns. Um, 
mate. It, so, you know, it loses that aspect to it. But there are some mm. scenes in this which really are quite traumatising. <laughs> There's, um, you know, the whole story of Robocop is he's a good cop. He's um, killed by some bad guys because uh, they don't like him. Pretty much, he investigates the wrong people and they get revenge on him. They blow him up, and he's pieced back together as part of a new initiative, which is set up to try and create a um, sort of, you know, like the the main topic I suppose in the news is about drones and about how you can't have robots policing people. How can mm. you have law enforced by things that aren't humans? So it kind of plays on that in that the, the central premise is in um, I forget where it is. I think it's like Afghanistan, they say, or, or Iraq or something like that. They've got these robot policemen and they're working for the military and they're keeping order in the streets. But there's a um, there's a bill or declaration or something that means that they can't have these in America. So the premise is, how do they convince Americans to accept robot police? And the way they try to do that is by saying, well, we'll put a person in the machine. So the original film... It's all about a machine that has human parts in it. This is about a person who's put in a machine. Right. So it's it's trying to keep a similar sort of theme going. And the way that he's referred to, Alex Murphy, as Robocop, the way he's referred to is always as a machine with a human uh, components, if you like, mm. some bi- uh, bionic parts. But actually, that's never convincing in this film. You always know that it's a person in a machine. Um, which kind of, I don't know, some people might like that. I didn't think it was particularly clever. But it's it's just a different way of, of looking at it. It, it. It's kind of hard not to compare it to the original. But if you do try and see it as something other than uh, a remake of that Robocop, if you see it as a new story about the time that it's set in now, because one of the things the original was great at was being a, a very self-aware satire. It knew exactly what decade it was made in yeah. and what was going on in the 80s, and it just absolutely ripped it to pieces. This is trying to do a similar sort of thing in a much more serious way. Uh, not that the original Robocop's not serious, but it does it in a very um, straightforward, humorless manner. Uh, loses some of the cheese, from, you know, which isn't really appropriate in a film like this it, it, for what it's doing about modern times, which is fine. I think that works for it. But it, it's just, it could have been better. It was a good sci-fi action film. Perhaps not as good as it could have been with some very good performance. Yeah, well, I'll just quickly mention the performances. I realise I'm waffling a little bit now. But Gary Oldman is fantastic. He plays the doctor who puts Robocop together. Mm-hmm. Absolutely steals the show. Every scene is in. Oh, brilliant. Really, doesn't surprise me, yeah. really. Yeah, it's just he's, he's brilliant in it. And Michael Keaton... That's good, because I was a bit concerned about um, him in the new uh, the new Planet of the Apes film. Uh, is it Dawn of the Planet mm, of the Apes? Because he's, he's basically going to be one of the leads in that, isn't he? And I was a bit, is he just taking an easy role here? But if he's, if he's stealing the show in this, which by all accounts isn't a great film, then that gives me a lot of hope for yeah. him in... Dawn of the Planet of the That's Apes. Right. I mean, Michael Keaton's good as well in this, by the way, but he just has a very... Nice to see him back. Yeah. Nice to see Michael Keaton back. It, it is, yeah, it is. But he has a very weak character to work with. Um, in fact, that's the main problem with this film is that there's no proper villain to it. There's no real... Right. Vi- the guy who blows him up is just like a peripheral character. You get no information on him. 
um, other than, you know, he's a bad guy, so expect him to be a bad guy. We were talking about in the Lego movie and stuff, mm. you know, and the characters were all quite <laughs> well written. In this, it's not. It's mm. just a bad guy because he's supposed to be a bad guy. Right. Why? Okay. Well, fine. Whereas the uh, the villain, well, the, yeah, the guy who kills uh, Murphy in the original RoboCop is, yeah, the, he's the horrible creation. He's a proper kind of yeah villain you can get behind hating, but yeah. also is entertaining on screen as well. Yeah. Which is a a, a nice balance. Um, has RoboCop got a a female kind of side partner in this nope. or? Nope. Oh, it's played so by Omar right. from uh, The Wire. What's his name? Mi- right. Michael Williams, okay. I think. Mm. Yeah, there's um his wife is in it though a bit more than I think the original. Right. Okay. In the original, because in the original I'm pretty sure they don't realise it's Murphy. Mm. Um, whereas in this it's Murphy. It's advertised yeah. as Murphy, and this is Murphy right. being turned into a cop and isn't he a hero? So right, I see. Slightly different way of doing it, I guess. But yeah, I mean if there is a villain. To the to the film, the villain is police corruption, which doesn't surprise oh, me given yeah. you know who the director yeah. is. So yeah, it could have done with a face for that villainy, a mm. real sort of horrible face who RoboCop defeats. But maybe I'm just being picky. <laughs> but yeah, okay. decent act, decent sci-fi action film overall, but not okay. not going to wear you. Okay, next up is her starring Joaquin Phoenix and Scarlett Johansson. Here's a clip. What about you, Theodore? What do you love most about Samantha? Oh, God. She's so many things. I guess that's what I love most about her. You know, she isn't just one thing. She's so much larger than that. Uh, thanks, Theodore. See, Samantha, he's so much more evolved than I am. <laughs> <laughs> you know what's interesting? I used to be so worried about not having a body, but now I, I truly love it. I'm growing in a way that I couldn't if I had a physical form. I mean, I'm not limited. I can be anywhere and everywhere simultaneously. I'm not tethered to time and space in a way that I would be if I was stuck in a body that's inevitably going to die. Yikes. No. (laughs) No, no. I didn't mean it like that. I just meant that it was a different experience. No, 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 Samantha. We know exactly what you mean. We're all dumb humans. No. (laughs) No, no. Is it Joaquin? I always think I'll just do it like the Spanish footballer. I just do it like yeah. the Spanish footballer. And yeah, <laughs> I think that works. I think that works. Um, but yes, he plays a uh, divorced man who um, is a bit lonely and withdrawn, I suppose, um, but still likable, and gets a new operating system. It's set in the near future, I think, um, and technology has evolved as such. Whereas, whereas your operating system for your computer, tablet smartphone whatever can be tailored to around your personality um and that is voiced by scarlett johansson um james what did you think of this yeah i was excited by this film because i i love films set in the not too distant future that's my favorite kind of (laughs) science fiction that kind of recognizable where it feels like our world but there's a few key differences um so I was very excited about it. And also, just because I like uh, Spike Jones did Being John Malkovich, which I love, and Adaptation, which I saw recently and adored. But I wasn't so keen on Where the Wild Things Are. That was rubbish. I'll just jump straight yeah. in there. That was a really yeah, crap film. Very, yeah, and no, I was being a bit generous there by saying not so keen. It was terrible. Um, and 
and this uh, you know those first two films were based on a charlie corkman script this is the first film that spike jones has written and directed himself and i would say there's a lot of great elements to this film but it just doesn't come together for me and i wasn't a huge fan of it i'll be honest i thought it was i thought it was really good very interesting to you know, excellent central performances, especially yep, especially, can't, can't especially as you don't actually see one of them ever. Yeah, um, and also which, 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 Scarlett Johansson came in and re-recorded that all that in post-production which, which, because she wasn't there on set. I mean, people do voice acting all the time now, which is essentially mm. what Scarlett Johansson was was doing, even though it was excellent and amazing, and it wasn't obviously an animated film like most voice acting is. But it must have been quite difficult for for Phoenix because he's got no one to react with or to and i know that happens a lot now with green screen and everything like that in in kind of big budget movies now where everything cgi well, apparently everything cgi but you know if this is a very intimate story between two mm. people it's not a big budget sci-fi film no. you know so it's just between these two people and it's very emotional or you know it's meant to be very emotional and the story and the plot and the dialogue and everything and he's got no one to react with or off of and he and he's in every scene as well yeah he's in every scene of the film which is difficult yeah and no i think he's brilliant in a way completely different film but in a way it reminded me of the master actually um which starred joaquin phoenix in a brilliant role also uh also amy adams as well so again this is why i think that's why it reminded me but ultimately I just got a bit bored by that film. And I'll be honest, I got a little bit bored by this film at times. I, I don't um, think I was ever really bored by it. I think it kept kept it interesting enough because it is essentially a, a relationship between two people and how it progresses. Mm. Even, but the, but the, obviously the twist is one of them is... She's artificial is, is, intelligence. Yes, is, a, yeah. is a computer who becomes sentient and destroys everything. No, she doesn't destroy yeah. everything, of course. No, no but no. you know... Um, yeah, it's not Terminator no. 2. Um, it's not Skynet. But no, what I think not, is. Not um, yet, yeah. that's a sequel. <laughs> that's right, yeah. Uh, Hiking Phoenix, Scarlett Hansen, brilliant. Because um, Samantha Morton played the OS originally, and which is why it's called Samantha in the film. And she was apparently on set a lot with Joaquin Phoenix, you know, kind of. So she, he did. Kind of, he worked with her, and it's really interesting that um, the chemistry between the two. Is brilliant considering that Scarlett Johansson is just a voice and she recorded hers completely separately to the filming of the film. That works really, really well. I'd also say that <clears throat> the concept itself is really very well realised and I loved the production design. Uh, I love the world that Spike Jones created that. I think that worked really, really well. Um, my problems were some. there were some really good actors who didn't have too much to do here. Amy Adams, Rooney Mara and Chris Pratt. Um, three people who I really like usually and who were good in this but didn't have too much to do and yeah I just I for me it despite the fact again it was it was over two hours and the story itself I don't think justified that kind of length okay yeah just a tad over two hours but even then I felt it was a bit long um a few bits the kind of ending was a little bit telegraphed for me and like I said I loved bits of it just as a, a film it didn't come together as a whole for I, me. I, and, I uh, kind of like the end. I mean, without spoiling it for people, it's mm. kind of the way these films tend to go because it was a, ro- yeah. it's a it's a romance essentially. The way these films kind of go, it didn't go. No, no, no. You know, I, I thought that was good and different, and you know, 
what what I'd say because in a way it kind of the the actual setup a little bit reminds me a bit of um Blue Valentine um but with a man and a computer but I was I was absolutely hooked into that story and I I just wasn't I wasn't particularly hooked in I liked bits of it bits of it looked pretty and shiny rather than actually getting to me on a emotional level um and the other thing as well is it looked like it had been filmed entirely with instagram and that annoyed me a <laughs> yeah, little bit yeah there was bit. a little bit of bit of everything, filter to it wasn't there yeah everything looked a bit beige and a bit it looked apparently everyone in the future dresses like a hipster which kind of got to me after a little I, while I, as did, well, I didn't really understand his job in the film I mean, I, 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 that's I, one of the things I did like. I knew, I knew he was, I really liked. I knew he was writing letters from yeah. one person to another. But I didn't really get why. Like they, they, they got, paid, they paid the website so to they can't, create handwritten they, letters. They can't communicate properly. Yeah, so they get someone to write handwritten. And that's 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 not a spoiler because that's like the very first scene of the film. Yeah, it's not really important. It's it's and and do you know what? That's a really interesting idea, and it buys into this theme of the fact that people can't people don't communicate anymore. Um, And so during the film, hardly anyone talks to each other. They mostly talk through like screens and things like that. And and I get it. I really get it. Is it Chris Pratt in it who plays plays Queen Phoenix's friend? Yeah. He, I mean, he's only in it for a couple of scenes. He's he's really good at continuing his kind of yeah, up, oh yeah, up, definitely up surge. Even though he's only in sort of a few scenes, he's well. Guardians of the Galaxy trailer is out tonight at some mm-hmm. point, so that's yeah, I'm very very excited about that. So Chris Pratt doing some brilliant stuff at the moment, um, and I'm I'm really pleased with him. Like I say I, just, I wanted this film to be better than it was. I think that was the main issue for me. Uh, next film we've got is Dallas Buyers Club. Uh, starring Matthew McConaughey as um, a AIDS, I don't know what you'd call them. I, I suppose victim is something you really wouldn't want to call them, or they wouldn't want to be called sufferer. Uh, yeah. If in the in the 1980s, who go yeah. out trying to um, to deal with the disease. Uh, here's a clip. Walker, Dorset, Blum, Newsom, Jeff Coat. These are patients? Yes, sir. They're also the names of players on the Dallas Cowboys. No. That's a hell of a coincidence, isn't it? Isn't this a little ridiculous? He said it. Can you prove these are patients? Can you prove they're not? Uh, the film also stars Jared Leto as Rayon, um, a transsexual or transvestite, whichever they might be. I don't know the difference. Um, but you know, anyway, that's just that's just my own, <laughs> old metrosexual stuff. That's just that's just that's just my own ignorance to the subject. Yeah. But you know, and Jennifer Garner as well. And, Jennifer you know, Garner. And again, like we mentioned with her, the central performances in this film are fantastic. Uh, the reconnaissance continues. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think he's well. Uh, well, as me and Owen have predicted um, identically, we think uh, both McConaughey and Leto are going to pick up the the actor and supporting actor um, 
awards at the oscars and uh yeah just to let everyone know uh, we might feel like we're retreading stuff here because we did review this last week in the abandoned podcast and i think the main thing that came out of that and again this has already been out in the cinemas a little while so we won't spend too long on it but i think overall in this is a a good film it is a good film it's a well-made film but it's elevated due to those two central performances Yeah. yeah The absolutely of, the two of them are award worthy yeah. yeah and it's not just the fact that matthew mcconaughey lost 40 pounds or whatever he lost to play this role and he does look really gaunt at times uh, you know there's a there's an incredible physical transformation there but actually he's playing quite a conflicted role uh and it's a difficult role to carry off and make likable make likable because the the thing at the beginning is he's he's a cowboy kind of hustler racist um, homophobic red racist red homophobe who finds out that he's got AIDS and AIDS is of course the the disease of gay people. Well, I mean, this film this com- film is set in the eighties, so yeah, yeah. exactly. Well, he's not made clear uh, by the trailer, really. It could be set that you look at the trailer, but you know, it's, kind of in yeah in the southern states of America, it's a little bit of a timeless place yeah. there, isn't it? Let's be honest. But no, it's, it's um, set in the eighties, so. Back in the 80s, obviously, AIDS, HIV was considered mm. a disease for or received or suffered by gay people. Yeah. Um, so he's obviously thinking when he first gets diagnosed with it, how have I got this? The doctor's yeah. calling me gay, basically. Yeah. By telling Despite I have the fact this... that he's had unprotected sex and taken drugs for yeah. a number of years. And, he, and, yeah, he kind of wises up to that. And then... Um, the doctors give him 30 days to live and he decides to prove them wrong. Uh, nothing nothing else yeah. wrong will be within 30 days. And uh, and so then it becomes uh, an interesting film in terms of what he does. Uh, and it apparently, again, another story based on a true, uh, true life, another film based on a true life story. Um, I think people who have spoken about the real Ron Woodruff have said, charitably that he was a bit of a rogue they're not saying that he was a saint that he was a perfect man and i don't think the film aims to kind of eulogize him in that way either he has his faults um but at the same time what you can't take away is that he made a huge difference to hundreds of people's lives and i think that's what the film tries to explore and i think for me the first half of the film is where the film's at its best where you're exploring the character of ron who he is, why he's doing what he's doing, how he's going to deal with this and this inner conflict. The second half of the film becomes a little bit, it just becomes a little bit procedural for me and uh, episodic and goes from one plot point to another without fully explaining for me why, why what's going on. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think, as you say, the, the second half of the film, it just it loses a bit of um, impact. And mm. the the story it, it 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 kind of forgets what it's trying to do. It's so you, part, you in in some ways it kind of slows down and in parts becomes less about uh, McConaughey and Leto's characters and more about kind of the the the, the fight against not the fight against AIDS but the kind of battle against legalizing or allowing certain, certain yeah. medication and all that kind of stuff. It kind of becomes more about that uh, towards the but, end but or then there's lot... no there's no depth to that part of the the, the film no, though no but it seems to concentrate more on that rather than on mm. McConaughey and Leto's characters yeah. which is what the film 
is or should be mainly about. That's what it is at its best. And there's there's a bit of a caper-esque uh, element to it, and that's quite fun actually for a bit. I've got no problem with uh, you know McConaughey going out drug smuggling and trying on different disguises and stuff like that. That I've got I've got not a huge problem with that. It's just I think I, I, the problem is it's based on a true life story, and there's only so many um, liberties you can take with that story. And actually, th- I think for me the main issue with the film like i said it's a good film and i enjoyed it but the main issue with the narrative is um the real life narrative isn't very cinematic it's not it's not a traditional three-act story mm-hmm. um there's not a massive denouement at the end um it kind of you get there and you go well that's the end and that's an, that's an interesting story and parts of it would have felt would i felt would have been better as a documentary rather than as a dramatic so I, I think if it had just focused on uh ron himself and the people around him i think it would have just been a tighter film yeah would have been very difficult to make it as a documentary yeah it also would have been really difficult to make yeah exactly and uh you know i'm I'm not saying that that would have necessarily been better i I just think yeah this film as it is has some flaws but it it's definitely worth watching for the for the performances Mm -hmm. definitely Mm -hmm. Uh, okay, well, I think that um, ends all of our uh, new new release reviews. I don't think you're going to hear that many in one podcast for us for a long time. Goodness, no. Uh, <laughs> so we've, we've got, haven't got long left, so we'll have one more quick break, and we'll be back with some uh, recommendations uh, for the week or so ahead. We'll be answering some of your questions on our 100th podcast, and we have uh, also got a little look ahead to what's happening with James at the Glasgow Film Festival. Right then, uh, recommendations for the next week or so. I'm going to kick us off with film, uh, sorry, E4 on Friday night, 9 o'clock, the Sean William Scott and Paul Rudd comedy role models. Oh, I like that, yeah. Yeah, uh, nice choice. Uh, Owen? Uh, I'm going to go for a film I can't pronounce, but it's also on Friday night at 11.05 on BBC2. Synecdoche, New York. Oh, is that on TV? Yeah, BBC2 on Friday. Okay. Oh, oh, my TV area has been blown off in the storm. Uh, It'll be on iPlayer. um, Yeah, yeah, Philip Seymour Hoffman, uh, directed by Charlie Kaufman. Yeah, it's Charlie Kaufman's first film as a director. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, um, yeah, you know, it's obviously being put on because of of Mm. Philip Seymour Hoffman. But, you know, that's a good thing. I can't even begin to describe the film itself or give you a review because it's just completely bizarre. Um, I watched it last week and I'm still trying to figure out what I actually thought about it. But it's just one of those films that you, you, it's, you, if you watch it, you'll understand why, and then you can form your own opinion because it's just, it's worth seeing at least. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, my recommendation this week is on Netflix UK, and I watched the first half of it yesterday, and then I started falling asleep because I'm old, um, <laughs> old and gout-ridden. Um, but uh, it's called The Square. And it's um, a Netflix original. It's the first Netflix original documentary to uh, get an Oscar nomination. It's been Oscar nominated for Best Documentary at this year's Oscars. Um, And it's also the first um, Oscar nominated film that was made partly using 
crowdsourcing from Kickstarter as well. And it's a documentary about the Arab Spring, uh, particularly in Egypt. And it's about Tahir Square. And it's made by Egyptian filmmakers starring Egyptian people filmed at the time of the Arab Spring. And it's a really, really interesting insight into what happened there. Because I'll be honest, I watch the news and I still don't quite know what was happening and who was who and what was what. So, um, yeah, I recommended a kind of current affairs-ish documentary last week and I'm doing the same again, I'm afraid. So that's The Square on Netflix UK. And I think probably on pretty much every region of Netflix because it is a Netflix original. Uh, you've just reminded me as well. I know it's a bit cheeky because we normally don't pick anything off Sky. We just yeah. go for free view. But on Sky Atlantic on Saturday, uh, 20 past 10, is The Act of Killing. Again? Yes. They, they showed it. Oh, they, okay. It was on last week. Yeah. I think they they had it on there a few few months ago anyway yeah but it's yeah repeated on saturday so my film of the year last year yeah and just another did, oscar nominated documentary yeah pick we both picked it and um, uh, did steve yeah. did you pick it as well steve best documentary gonna win at the oscars um i think you did. Yeah, yeah yeah it's it's gonna win isn't it i think so okay uh so some questions then from our listeners Yes. Okay. So uh, Paul Fisher at Stake Heed, uh, he asked us who would play us in the film of our life, which is a nice callback to our very first episode, which I think was how I got us to introduce ourselves in that first episode. So who would play you in the film of your life? Uh, well, I would have, you know, done everything within my power to get Jean-Claude Van Damme to play me. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen and probably not appropriate. Uh, I asked my wife this question. I said, if someone was going to play me in a film, who do you think would play me? And she sort of shrugged and said, Michael Cera, which I didn't know how to respond. I thought that's kind of is it an insult or is that a compliment? I don't know, because he's, he's quite cool in a geeky sort of way, I think. Just like you. Just like me. Yeah. <laughs> uh, don't know about that. But, yeah. So I guess that's kind of my default answer. Who's playing you, James? Um, it, I remember my my first answer was um, Ron Howard's brother, uh, who's in all of Ron Howard's films, because I because I'm such a hipster. Was, was he uh, was but, he in Rush? Uh, yes, he was. <laughs> yeah, he's in every single one of Ron Howard's films. I remember. A tiny bit in the background. Uh, but actually, no, my answer is going to be Matthew McConaughey, because not only have I come completely about turn on that man during the course of this podcast. But I think I'd look awesome in a cowboy hat. So, um, <laughs> and and wouldn't you just love me? Wouldn't you just love a Texas drawl on this podcast as well? Uh, I'm not even going to try and attempt it. So yeah, that's the one I'm going for, Matthew McConaughey. And I'm so damn good looking as well, obviously. <laughs> I'm going to go with Danny Dyer because I'm proper naughty. You are. Yes. No. Seriously, it's either going to be Nick Frost or Resurrect John Candy. <laughs> just zombie john candy yeah fine <laughs> cgi yeah 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 um uh, then we also ha- let's have a quick look um had uh lost bandidos who asked who is the best looking uh and and i think we all agree we don't need to answer that because we all know the answer to that one yeah uh, I, i'm just gonna say that i'm just gonna say for any females listening i'm the only single one on this podcast <laughs> whatever sing for a reason yeah. <laughs> can't tie me down <laughs> <laughs> um, but he also said his real one was uh desert island one and only film so not your favorite film or best film but the one you could never get bored of steve mine is because i can't pick a trilogy because of these rules we've made up 
yep. or a series or whatever. So I'm going for just Die Hard. Die Hard 1 on its own. Okay. Nice. Owen? Similar sort of theme. I'm going for uh, an action film, John McTiernan. I've gone for Predator. Because it's oh. just a film you could just watch over and over again. Well, hang on. Yeah, Should I not pick Castaway as kind of a, a manual on how to get off this island? Might get a bit too meta and send you mental. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Could go one of either yeah. way, Steve. It's totally up to you. I'm, oh, I'm really struggling here. I'm probably oh, it's Amelie or Spinal Tap, and I'm gonna go Spinal Tap just because I'd have some music then as well, uh, which is good. So, um, yeah. Uh, no no one's put a restriction on the music you can take. You can take as much as you want. Oh, oh, Jesus! Now you tell me. Oh, Dad, <laughs> oh, I'm loaded up with a massive iPod. Uh, and but you finally, can't take Dave, Sony Walkman. Uh, Dave McFarland, <laughs> yeah, um, from uh, the Glasgow Film Festival podcast last year, uh, asked, uh, "Why do I cheat at Trivial Pursuit?" And it, uh, I'll just give you the answer now. It's because he is a bastard at magnetic fishing. So that's why I treat it, uh, cheat at Trivial Pursuit. I'm, I'm just saying now. If you had to cheat at Trivial Pursuit to beat him, then... I really didn't know. Uh, <laughs> I, I got answers. In Dave's mind, knowing the answers is cheating. Um, in Dave's mind, knowing anything. In Dave's, yeah. mind, in Dave's mind, breathing through your nose is cheating. Yeah, and and he'll be on next. Uh, that leads us quite nicely into <laughs> next week. Yes, next week, what's happening? Because it's, it's all down to you, so... Yeah, next week I'm going to be at I'm going to be live at Glasgow Film Festival. I'm going to be talking to various people. I'm going to be no, talking. No, yes no one yet. famous because they won't let you. Uh, <laughs> shut up. I'm going to try and doorstep Terry Gilliam uh, while I'm there. I'm going to see the new Terry Gilliam film, The Zero Theorem. I'm going to see. Uh, a few films I'm very excited about, 20 Feet from Stardom, the Oscar-nominated documentary, the new film from Richard Iodi, The Double, um, Mood Indigo, the new Michel Gondry film, and the surprise film, which I've convinced myself is going to be The Raid 2, um, or Snowpiercer, but probably won't be either. I which will, be will be so jealous if it's either. Yeah, I know you will. And uh, yeah, last, last time, um, Glasgow Film Festival, they showed uh, John Dies at the end, and I didn't get around to seeing that, so... Um, that would have made you annoyed then, but then you didn't really like it that much no, again, did you? No, I was a bit uh, disappointed. So, um, and I'll also be talking to the aforementioned Dave McFarlane. Uh, I'll be talking to Paul Fisher from the Right Club. Dave McFarlane, of course, from our, what I like to think of as our sister podcast, Born Offside. Um, I'm also talking to a few other bloggers, and it, it's been 95% confirmed we will have genuine bbc comedy television stars on our podcast next week but i'm not going to say anything just because i don't want to jinx it but just genuine probably won't if they're not on there they're not on there but genuine people have said yeah we'll come on your podcast so that's exciting and we're going to be sponsored as ever by the wonderful Brewdog glasgow and, and no one knows where me and owen fit into all this yeah i might i might give you two a ring and say hello i'm up in glasgow getting drunk on the uh, company dollar um and ask you what you think of that that's what i might do yeah no i don't owen and steve may well pop up on this podcast i just i have no idea because clearly we never plan these things and yeah so uh enjoy that also while we're here i just want to plug the fact that i'm involved with other podcasts as well just because i might as well i just filmed another podcast tonight and if you go to diamondandhuman.com uh, you'll see that there is a music and an unrelated film podcast about to launch there as well so please check that out is that cheeky? It's your podcast. You can do what you, can do what you want. <laughs> I'm the only I mean, one not plugging any other podcasts at the minute. <laughs> you know, you know, James started his thing. He can plug what he wants on it. Oh, I, I, right, yeah. you know, it's not, not, 
what me and Owen say don't matter. We've learned that a long time ago. <laughs> uh, anyway, that's all, that's all for this week's podcast. I thank you for listening. Somehow we've reviewed six new films and it's shorter than a lot of other podcasts. We do, so I don't know <laughs> how that's worked at all. You've been professional tonight. Uh, and uh, uh, yeah, happy 100 podcast, yes. lads. Um, we are obviously over at www.failcritics.com for the website and on Twitter at Failed Critics and we're on Facebook as well and we will see you live from Glasgow next week The Failed Critics are James Diamond Steve Norman and Owen Hughes with original music provided by Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com You can find us at failedcritics.com at Facebook at facebook.com slash failedcritics and on Twitter at at failedcritics Critics.